everyone. Welcome to episode 48 of the Avocado Games Cast, the Avocados Gaming Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about video game magic. Not the whole how do they pull that off aspect of game development, but how magic is portrayed and operationalized video games. Expect some thought-provoking discussion and a lot more SAT vocabulary like operationalize. But before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Merv, and joining me, Merlin's Beard, it's Mr. Glitch. Howdy, howdy. Sauron Scepter, it's Wolfman Jew. I don't, I didn't come up with a good magic pun. Sorry, viewers. Viewers, apparently, we're, we're watching this on video now. Uh, Dumbledore's Coffin, it's, it's magic Ben. Radio. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize we were supposed to be doing puns. Are we doing puns? Always do puns. We're, we're like 50% puns. pun based podcast. The, and, the, the, oh, sorry. And finally, Vivian's hat. It's the Kappa. They're illusions, Michael, not tricks. There, that's, <laughs> that's what I was ready to go. He had it all queued up. But uh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to be the only one who recognized that we start every podcast with puns, but you know. <laughs> I mean, the video game, the entire like culture of video games is about 70% guns, 30% puns. That the rhyme yep. was actually non-intentional, just to be clear. And like, <laughs> you know, 80% wrestling with bugs. That adds up to 180, but we're cool with that. Doesn't matter. We don't really do math here. Um, so how are oh, folks doing? Good. It's raining like crazy out, but otherwise it's been nice to... It's yeah. just starting to be cold here, so I'm all rugged up in a bathrobe and slippers and shit. Oh yeah, you guys have upside-down seasons down there. Yeah. No, you guys have upside-down seasons <laughs> up there. We have the right ones. So, I mean, there's no like real concept of up and down in the universe, right? So why don't we ever just like portray Antarctica as being on top? Hmm. Well, actually, um, there is a game. Uh, it, it's a kind of like a like a weird Marxist version of Risk that actually does stick the world upside down, um, specifically to kind of highlight the way that uh, like colonialism was involved in the development of atlases. But I don't remember the name, so I can't. We'll, suggest... we'll look it up. I'll I'll just like Google Marxist Risk after this, and we'll see what <laughs> what pops up. Enjoy the um, list you get put on, too. <laughs> I'm probably on so many lists already. I, I mean, I'm brown. I'm probably on, like, 80 lists already. Um, so, like, every time I go to the airport... Like, last time I, got, I, went, I went to the airport, because uh, I had to fly to, like, like Europe, um, I got extra screening at the TSA. They went through my bag. They, like, pulled out all, all my papers. Um, then I got patted down before I got on the flight. And then when I was exiting the airport, I got subjected to additional questioning. This is just like one, one way of the trip. Like, guys... I've never not got it pat down except for when I was in uniform. Honest to God, like every time I go, they pat me down. I don't know if I've got like a swarthy look or or. What. It's are you I like are you like glaring at the DSA officers? Like I don't know. I just I don't know. Pat me down! I, I dare you. <laughs> I look dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like not always like a racial thing. Sometimes it's just like, you look suspicious. Yeah, you know, like, the I... funniest thing is I got my bag checked once. Um, and when I got home, we went through my stuff and I had a Scientology DVD that someone slipped into my bag. Uh, and I'm 90% sure <laughs> it was a TSA guy. Like, isn't that weird? No, I still think about the... it to this day. That like, is. The... Did you watch the DVD? No, God, no. <laughs> 
I, I'm like, I, it's like having a Ouija board in the house. You know, like you got to get rid of it. Like it's a gateway. That's <laughs> how they get in. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna come on here to tell us all to get our e- fuck out. Oh yeah. I, to get our Dianetics yeah. checked. I don't actually know how Scientology works. All right, don't I'm get so us sorry. sued now. Don't I, get us sued. Hey, I live out in LA. I'm surprised I'm not a Scientologist yet. Uh, go go by the go by the castle they have or whatever. Yeah, the weird, <laughs> castle, yeah. like they're like holed up in the magic castle. No, yeah, really, they have a like a castle, that, don't they? Yeah, basically. Yeah, the Church of Scientology basically spent, and I guess probably continues to spend a disproportionately large amount of money trying to buy up not just like large real estate, but large real estate that looks like basically like a combination of, of like, what if a JRPG villain got really into 70s style architecture? <laughs> so it's like pastel castles. Yes. And then, and then you put That's the evil so Pope inside great. of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least they're embracing the weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I can't mean, believe you just didn't got know about that. that. I thought it was famous. Like I think even in like Grand Theft Auto Five, like they they basically do that whole thing. But yeah, I just yeah. realized actually, Kappa, that you basically have the Scientology version of like a check of a chick track story. Yeah, exactly. Except like <laughs> it also like has like a weird authoritarian state bent yeah. to it. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. which is kind of appropriate for Scientology. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Scientology and, and LA and, and LA adjacent things, uh, I went to Hollywood last night to watch Detective Pikachu. Uh-oh. Well, that's one of like the biggest stretches <laughs> that is... I love how I make the segue and they're just like, no, fuck, we're not segueing now. I gotta like, know, is it any good? Detective Pikachu. Like, is you it finally... Even, like, find a Scientologist actor in the movie to talk about it. I'm sure there has to I, be... I don't want to accuse, like, Justice Smith or Catherine Newton of being Scientologists. Totally are. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, like, the world's biggest Scientologist. He's spreading Scientology to all of Canada right now. <laughs> um, Ryan, at the end of the movie, I believe... Um, that's what I've been told. Uh, actually, Ryan Reynolds, uh, or Detective Pikachu's, like costume he zips it off and it's ryan reynolds and then ryan reynolds zips his face off and it's, it's actually like david miscavige <laughs> <laughs> they finally found shelly she was pikachu all along that's the whole like point of <laughs> that is, that's the darkest joke we've ever had on the podcast. i just want to make clear okay um so detective pikachu was a movie that i saw and like, so I went like all out. I saw it in like the whole 4D experience with the moving seats. And when uh, a Pokemon spews water on screen, it sprays fog in your face. Um, so, you know, I, did, I went all out. Um, I wish he, there were cinemas that did that shit here, but there isn't. Uh, they're, they're dreadfully expensive. It's like 30 bucks for a movie ticket if you do that. Yeah, um, yeah but, but it'd be worth it for that like one movie. Yeah. The one movie called, like, We Spray Water in Your Face. No, uh, just that one movie that you're super into, like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. I do it for, like, all, all, like, the MCU movies. I don't even, like, I'm not even, like, in love with them. I just do it because I'm like, eh, if I'm going to do this, might as well go all out, right? Um, Do you go to John Wick and they just, like, shoot you with BB guns? (laughs) Yo, okay. They give you a dog when you walk in and you don't walk out with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the darkest joke. <laughs> okay. 
so actually like you're talking about the bb guns what they do is they it, with certain things they like spray air on your feet with with um like pulsating jets but the air that comes out of these jets is at such high speed and pressure that it actually hurt my ankles like through wow. my pants that's how bad it was. So it's like getting shot with like a mini, I guess, like pneumatic BB gun under my seat. Jeez. They yeah. Don't play. I, was, I was like, oh my God, this stings. This should, this isn't right. Somebody's like turned up the nozzle too, too tightly. Suffer for your Pikachu. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow, the Lickitung scene, wow, the Lickitung scene is even more extreme than I thought. <laughs> it was, it was pretty extreme because they like, they, they spray the water at you and Lickitung like licks um, the main character Tim's face and then you like feel it on your face. You're like, oh no, this is moist. Um, (laughs) Oh, he's been eating Snickers bars. Ew. I've got to know, is this the best video game movie since Mortal Kombat? (laughs) um, I I can't think of another good one. Actually the only video game movie I've seen. So I don't know if I have a good point of comparison. Run a video game podcast and you've never seen a video game movie. Yeah, I mean, you didn't even see the Mario movie made by the Max Headroom people that goes into like a vaguely fetishy post-apocalypse where Mojo Nixon plays Toad. I mean, now that you've described it in such detail, I don't think I need to see it. Yeah, I basically lived it. What about yeah. the Assassin, Assassin's Creed that totally wasted everybody involved in the movie and told an incomprehensible story for three quarters of the movie that nobody That's... even... Understood. That sounds like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that, it's, it's nothing else. The most accurate video game movie. <laughs> you know what the best bit about that Assassin's Creed movie is that it sucked and everyone hated it, and then the next game they fucking doubled down on the fact that it's canon in the games, and you need yeah. to watch it. I like that. I'm actually okay with that. Shine on you, weird, you crazy diamonds, you like French Canadian wonder slaves. makers. Yeah. Oh, I um, heard it on Blu-ray. I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> I own two copies of Predator 2. Two. Oh, just a God. backup? No, I just, I, for, I was buying a used copy, and then a later date, I bought another used copy, thinking, in case I hadn't bought that one, and I still haven't seen Predator 2. <laughs> this is like the time I accidentally bought two copies of the same math textbook, because I didn't realize I already owned it. Yeah, I'm always doing that too. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, I have so many double textbooks. <laughs> yeah, bunch of nerds. So yeah, relatable, so many right? copies of this of this textbook on uh, on the calculus of variations. Um, yeah, so I saw Detective Pikachu, and if you're asking me if it's a good movie, I don't know. I'd say it's an okay movie. I'd say it's good for what it is. In fact, a what kids I, movie at least. Yeah, I think it would work as a kids movie if you don't mind your kids hearing the word hell. Uh, a few times it works. Not a Flanders Merv. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, do you, maybe maybe a diddly with them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Careful there. <laughs> that did not come out right. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. You're, so it's a. Uh, what I'll say about this is I really like the setting. Really like the characters. I think the special effects and the animation. Um, they looked a little weird in the trailer, but they work pretty well in context. Um, I would like to see this, all that preserved, but with a completely different plot. Um, so it's really, um, if they manage to make a good sequel out of it, I think 
they, they could do it. It's, it's, and that it's like a video game franchise, right? You know, you start with this kind of shaky initial entry that has a lot of potential. And then, you know, Mass Effect 2 or Assassin's Creed 2 comes around and it's great. Um, that's what I think uh, Detective Pikachu is like. There's, there's a promising initial entry. actually do like the game storyline of like, hey, go fight all the fucking gyms and shit. Or would you want to see them do like other shit just so in the Pokemon world? Uh, other well, shit just I, in the Pokemon world. So this is yeah. based off the Detective Pikachu video game. So it follows uh, the broad strokes of that plot, but it apparently changes a lot of it. Um, so I'd like to see them either do an original story in this universe, like in Rhyme City, or if they make a Detective Pikachu 2, then base the plot off that. Let me ask you this, because I haven't kept up to date with this as much as anybody did, did the movie kind of come out of nowhere it doesn't seem like i heard much about it and then um, it was out um no uh, it i feel like the trailer the the first two trailers were fairly had like a pretty big impact but i might be mistaken i think it just kind of got like because the release was so close after endgame and it just kind of got swallowed by that whole fucking like Mega yeah, thing, so everyone was like focusing on that, like, oh shit, that's right, this is coming out. But usually, like, I don't like. Usually, you hear about these kind of movies like months, even years, sometimes before, you know, they come out. It just seems to me like I didn't hear much about it, and then all of a sudden it was out. Oh um, yeah, that's you. That trailer came out fucking ages ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's hard for me to tell because I follow video game news fairly closely. So I I've, I've been hearing about this for for years on end. I don't know what it's like for the average movie goer, um, but. You know, they, they hadn't sold out the theater, but it was pretty packed when I went. So, you know, people are willing to pay 30 bucks to watch Lick a Tongue and experience the licking. Um, and yeah. get your so, ankles blown out by air. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. I should have complained. I mean, I'm not I'm not a busybody. I don't go to theater management. I'm like, your air jets are too strong. No, that's not me. Um, so, yeah, it was enjoyable. I, I think... As far as video game movies go, even if I think, you know, overall the plot really isn't all there, um, I, it's, it's clearly made with a great deal of respect and love for the franchise. And there's a lot of, of fan service for Pokemon fans in there. I think, if nothing else, people respect the movie even if they don't enjoy it. That's good to hear. I mean, yeah. like, I like, I like Pokemon fans still having stuff they can enjoy. Yeah, I don't, I'm not looking to hate anything, but it's just been kind of surprising that, like, I think that weird live action mix to me was where I was apprehensive more than anything. Like, I don't know, I don't have a big can Pokemon be filmed or not, but a lot of times that weirdness just never really shows up well. You know what I mean? The yeah, so go ahead, Wolf. I was gonna say I think that this is I haven't seen the film, so but just from looking at the trailers, I think this is probably the only direction that possibly could have worked in live action uh, visually like like if you just have the pokemon the way they're designed then they just wouldn't really look good at all yeah yeah Which sonic found out <laughs> oh yeah oh, i'm later. so waiting for that like oh Captain you're waiting for that segue okay. <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna be honest i was planning to bring out like a like a bread knife just to make sure that it was make sure you all knew how much i was bringing out the knives for the sonic trailer discussion <laughs> but like i mean apparently we have a video version of this podcast because we have viewers not listeners now so i guess we would see <laughs> oh, the bread knife. one 
errant slip up, and I'm going to be damned for life from that one word. Oh. That's fine. If nothing else, this podcast is great at beating jokes into the ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, like so, speaking of jokes that yes, have been yeah. beaten into the ground, um, the Sonic trailer actually played before this movie, and, um, and it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. Well, I. This is the thing that I'm, I'm most curious about is the reshoots. I don't understand like it's, how it's going to happen, like the physical it, mechanics of it. It can't. Yeah. Like, I, it can, depending <laughs> on how they go about it. Um, I, basically, but first, I just want to say I think he's perfect as the way he is, and I love my horrible mutant freak. <laughs> Sonic, if, look, if, Sonic, if Sonic looks good, it's not accurate to the character. Yeah, that's... This is the thing I reckon. Like, I am a huge Sonic fan. I've played all of them. I like, fucking grew up watching the cartoons. I love Sonic. I even fucking played Sonic Forces, and no one should do that. <laughs> this is the what Sonic fans deserve. Sonic <laughs> is fucking trash. Like, um... Sonic is the worst franchise. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, a horrible, monstrous adaptation that misses the entire point, tries to be fucking relevant with Gangster's Paradise 20 years after the... That's the most Sonic shit in the world. <laughs> the only thing that wouldn't is the inevitable stinger where Shadow shows up. You know... Oh, <laughs> God. I, I do... Oh, I want it so bad. He has to have... A... He needs to show up on his fucking motorbike. <laughs> and he needs to say, Damn. <laughs> I, before we continue, I just want to make one quick note of of the Sonic movie, which is that there have been a couple of trailers that weren't released to the public before this, that apparently the trailer we saw has most of what's in those, except that there was a second trailer that wasn't released to the public that was apparently more Eggman-focused, and there's a line where um, Eggman tells jo um, John Mardson's character, the, the um, new ca canon character, Cop, who hangs out with Sonic, he says something that like, yeah, he was something like, <laughs> um, I was spitting out formulas while you were spitting up formula. And then Martin oh, said, man. sorry, I was breastfed. What an odd angle to take <laughs> a Sonic movie. Oh, I, I am... Like, I'm more excited for this movie than I was for Endgame, and I marathoned all the Marvel movies before I watched Endgame. Like, I am so ecstatic about... And, like, oh, just redoing the fucking CG six months before it comes out? Like, uh, oh my that's... god, yes. Make this it's... the biggest club. No, oh my god, no. That's a massive labor problem. Like, yeah, gonna... that's... They're gonna like fucking make work work the animators to the bone because they fucked up the original design. Okay, this is how I see it going, and I follow like a lot of people. Like I was watching a lot of people's reactions that actually like work in animation and in Hollywood and everything with how they reckon it would happen. Okay, the first thing is the design barely gets changed, so they can reuse a lot of the animations, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like when the face clearly isn't shown or something, right? Yeah, yeah they can't do. Live like action reshoots. Yeah, Sorry. they don't completely read because that's what they said. They're redoing the Sonic design, so like they just do like really subtle changes. Maybe like tweak his eyesight a little bit. Maybe make his teeth less human. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's one thing, and that would basically just require like basically doing a new model. And you know what his teeth remind me of? 
This is going to be a reference that nobody gets. It reminds me of the fucking purple cat from Planet With. And it's like no, that horrifying. No, I get it. Yes. It's yes, that you I know that horrifying image where he's like eating the fucking cabbage. <laughs> yeah, that that's what Sonic is. Well, the other things I reckon they could do though is there is a theory that like this was all bullshit, and like they saw the reactions when all the designs leaked and everything, and because like. Every single reaction to this movie from day one has been, what the fuck did you do to Sonic? Like, from that original, like, poster that was just a silhouette, like, no like where had like those... everyone's reaction was just, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, the, and that Sonic poster does look more, um, ripped than the current Sonic. He's like a like... muscular Sonic with insanely long legs. It's such a weird mix of like human and not human. I don't know. Like it's that uncanny valley thing, but not quite. Does is like he's got like all that muscular definition and everything, which just makes you think. So he has an ass, right? Like (laughs) he has a really toned ass with that kind of body. Are we going to get to see Sonic's beautiful ass? I mean, I think that's pretty consistent with the fandom, right? Is that what (laughs) I was going to say? There's a a pretty significant corner of the internet that's all excited about what you just said. (laughs) We will. Um, you will believe a hedgehog can twerk. <laughs> oh, God, no. Please, no. Honestly, I think the worst thing about the movie, that, like, not the fucking, um, fuckity fuck design, um, the fucking gangster's paradise? Yeah. What the fuck? That's really weird. It, it's, it would be perfect for the Sonic movie released in 1993 to coincide with Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yeah. Or the, yeah, the gritty like, reboot in 2525. Just... <laughs> like... Okay, you're picking a song for... So, like, how do you not choose fucking City Escape? Or, like, or even if you choose a, a song that's, like, from the real world, like... Something yeah. happy and poppy and, like... Yeah. Like, yeah, pop you know. song. Yeah. listen to fucking Offspring or something. Like, if you're doing <laughs> a really old song, fucking get an old Offspring song. At least you kinda, know like, what? Sonic should, like... Sonic should, like, steal the pop punk tracks they recorded for the Western release of the Digimon movie. That's yeah. that's the kind of music that that Sonic kids should have. In America, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like the, the Len cover, kids in America. Yeah, the Len cover, kids in America. That's what it should have. Or like Sonic and Kim Wilde. <laughs> yeah, God, I was listening to Kids in America early on the radio. Huh, that's neat. Yeah, Sorry. Like, so they got Canadian pop hip hop band Len to record a cover for the Digimon soundtrack, oh. um, and everybody's yeah. forgotten about Len because. So I'm from a country where Len is not a one-hit wonder. I'm from a country where Len had several hits on the radio. But y'all know Len is just like, oh, the Steal My Sunshine band. Y'all don't know like Cryptic Souls Crew or it's a brother-sister thing or My Neighborhood. Like, uh, No, I don't know it's a brother-sister <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but you missed know, out on that one. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what it's like to be Canadian. There are multiple <laughs> Len hits if you're from Canada. <laughs> Um, so like when those lyrics come out, you're like, oh no yeah, I, I, to- Len, uh, by the way. Sorry? I totally get what I totally get I what they no mean. No fucking idea who Len are. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking? They were about? a one-hit wonder in the in the U.S. They had a song called "Steal My Sunshine" that's just gibberish, happy rap. Like the song, <laughs> the lyric. <laughs> you look it up. Okay, so what they're they're rapping like it's psychedelic stream of consciousness lyrics about depression. That's <laughs> that's what that song's about. It's about 
being depressed and like getting your your friends to get you out of that funk. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that was Sonic and Detective Pikachu. What have y'all been playing lately? Oh, hey, hey, that, before we yeah. go on, I need I need, I do need to ask one thing. Um, is Sonic now an alien? Yes. Um, he, Sonic. Sonic is an alien, depending on which canon you follow. But I mean, has he always been an alien? He's more like, fun as an alien. Kind of. Like, so there's the Sonic Saturday morning cartoon with Sally and everything. That's definitely on a different planet, and Eggman is a human that invaded the planet. There's uh, Sonic no. X, where he's, like, alien slash alternate dimension. It was never really made clear. Um, Sonic in the Sonic Adventure games is just part of Earth with humans and shit, because those games are a nightmare. Um, I think the classic Sonic games are like vaguely post-apocalyptic and like Eggman is the last human. Um, I guess that's how Boom is too. Um, Makes sense. I think the main, the of... main defining feature of Boom is the scarf, right? Yeah. Okay. I think Sonic Boom is just, it's funny, who cares? We haven't really thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I, and honestly, Boom is, if nothing else, the best written part of the franchise, which is a low bar, but still... <laughs> I think um, you just gotta get Jaleel White boom, to riff, right? The more I don't like the normal Sonic designs, I actually love the Sonic Boom designs. Yeah, I I feel like Swole Knuckles is honestly kind of fun if you give him that goofy Travis Willingham writing or speaking and that silly writing that just makes him like a essentially total knucklehead. I go back to normal Knuckles. It's like, no, fuck Sorry. off. Where's my big yeah. dumb muscle boy? Yeah, he's basically what if Bullwinkle went to the gym a lot. <laughs> which is something I honestly didn't realize I needed. Um, it, it, the, for the movie, Sonics is from another dimension. Um, I'm assuming that basically either Eggman secretly from Sonic's dimension, or he ends up there and then he meets Shadow in the Stinger. That's absolutely going to have Shadow. Ooh, okay. Third speaking act of, twist. Speaking yeah. of Eggman <laughs> in this movie, um, why is Egg? How do they not get Danny DeVito for Eggman? Like, why is Eggman? <laughs> But yeah, Eggman, didn't like, Pikachu, ripped and now. now. didn't get him for fucking Robotnik. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, Jim Carrey has, like, a weird personality to me right now as, a, as an actor. Like, he's almost too serious for the funny stuff and too funny for the serious stuff. And I, I can't really tell what he's going to do with this one, you know? Even I'm, Jim Carrey is, like, part of the... He's full-on 90s Jim Carrey, which yeah. kind of, like, goes into the whole... This movie should have happened in 1996. Yeah. Well, last last I remember, Jim Carrey was when he did Kick Ass Two. You guys remember that one? He kind of like threw and a fit. And then he didn't want to be in it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it just felt weird. Like I, you kind of knew what the what you were signing up for. You know yeah. what I mean? And then like it felt weird that that was going to be his weird protest thing was going to be to say he didn't want to promote the movie that he starred like, in. Like, but now his protesting is just like, don't take vaccines, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's unfortunately gone on that train. Um, in the movie, it's pretty obvious that he's going to be mugging so much he could drink tea out of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, this ripping movie... off the rocks bit. <laughs> yeah. What? How is he ripping off the rock? The bit where, like, he's like, what was your name again? And then, like, as the dude answers, he just screams at him. That's, like, totally the rocks bit. I did like, not know that about wrestling. The Rock. Good to know. When he was the wrestler. That was like his bit. Was like, I don't care what your name it is. It doesn't matter. What... <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. Okay, good to know. It's really <laughs> funny because Rock's, The Rock's image nowadays is like this 
like big cuddly muscle dude who's really friendly. Yeah. Um, which I guess I mean, really doesn't fit with the wrestling persona. Wrestling heel. Like I want him to be more villains in movies because he's so good at it. Yeah, I, I don't know if he could pull that off anymore as, as an actor, but I'd like I'd like to see it. I like just, when people play no, against type and aren't really good at it. Because tying it into this fucking thing, he's amazing as a terrifying bad guy in Doom. Yeah, like, he um yeah probably... sucks, but he's really good at intimidating. That's probably the yeah. first time I've ever heard anything in the Doom movie referred to as amazing. I actually uh, really like Doom. I'm not gonna lie. I thought the yeah. the first person part was a little overdone and like definitely kind of more of like a hey. That's the only part of that movie I liked. <laughs> But they got the they got the vibe of Doom right. It was very creepy and scary throughout. Yeah, what's I, that movie they did all in first person? Was it called no, Hardcore no, not Henry? All. You're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, yeah Hardcore Henry. Oh although, yeah, the one with actually, Charlton Copley. Okay, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Although there's actually a few non-video game or video game adjacent movies that have done like films all in um, for in a first person perspective. There's a um, was a Philip Marlowe movie called uh, Lady in the Lake that did that in 1940. I want to say two. It, it's yeah, still a really. Did she get the BFG? <laughs> no, did not. Um, also, Ben. Yeah. The Sonic movie, the 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 Coolio movie. Um, this is the same plot <laughs> as Sonic. This is the same plot as Sonic X, right? Um, the only thing is, Sonic X was a. He found a little kid that was rich, and yeah, actually, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Fucking hell, it's just Sonic X. <laughs> we've, oh, we've made some shit. profound revelations today. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. Oh, it's Sonic. I need, to step out for a bit. I need to make sure my wife is up, so get ready for something. One second. All right. We need to stop <laughs> talking. Yeah, no, she's up. Okay, never mind. Cool. We, just need to stop talk. we need to stop talking about Sonic. Uh, yeah, we my, do. My brain is going to explode. I'm sorry. Uh, what have you guys been playing lately? <laughs> Um, anyone just say something please I, I've been unless playing... it's sonic in which case don't talk <laughs> i'm literally staring at the copy of sonic mania that's sitting on my desk uh, yeah. don't play it <laughs> i've been playing uh elite dangerous i got back into that um yeah i when saw I, that it's a, i steaming it up with that i quit for a long time and um oh if you see me playing it all day on steam it's because it has a launcher i hate the launcher in steam that makes it look like you're playing the game all the time. Because like my friends are like, you're always on. I'm like, no, it's just the launcher. But um, here's the thing. Uh, you know like how some games are like, what happens if we give all the players what they want? They're going to get bored. They're going to quit, blah, 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 right? It feels like what happened in Elite is they were like, almost as an experiment, let's just give players millions of millions of dollars and see what they do. Um, to put it in perspective, probably in like the year that I played previously, I probably made about 100 million space bucks or whatever right in my two weeks back i've made almost one billion space bucks by doing this new style of mining that's really cool where you play this mini game that you shoot missiles into an asteroid and you have to time it right and get the missiles kind of equidistant apart push the button and then the asteroid fractures and leaks out all its juicy innards of void opals and other things so they call it core mining right new system in the game and it makes you ridiculously rich if you have the patience to play the mini game and kind of mine so, i don't want to say mindlessly so, is it sort of like plan, uh, mass effect 2 planet skating no or is it different? no okay. way more way more way more involved um, is, okay. it, so, is it like cryptocurrency no so like um when you crack <laughs> when you crack the, the the asteroid you it, it gives you like a void 
crystal or whatever. You know, make some kind of fake thing or whatever. But the thing about it is that no one else makes it besides these asteroids. So people have spent like hundreds of hours in game mapping out these places that have this and then discovering a way to do it. And so it's, there was a lot of work that went into it. I was part of none of that. I just logged in and people were like, Hey, if you want to go get rich, go do this, click here, do this. Here's 500 guides on it, you know? Um, and it's like basically reinvigorated my interest in the game. Cause before everything was locked behind the paywall of how much credits can you grind? Um, and elite is, I don't know if you guys have ever any experience with elite dangerous or any of the elites, but they're kind of just very sandboxy worlds, right? There's not much to them. The game doesn't really necessarily have a plot or anything. It's, Hey, if you want to go be a space trader, go be a space trader. If you want to kill pirates, go kill pirates, you know, but with that kind of aimlessness, you know, and the kind of money that's required to do all of that, I don't want to say it forces you, but it definitely pushes you to find out, okay, well, how do I make the money to do the stuff I like? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And so in this game, that that was always like the big thing. Well, you know, to be a space trader, you've got to make money as a pirater until a certain point to get this ship, to buy this special thing that lets you do this thing, and then you can be this. So they kind of took out that barrier and instead just said, look, here's all the money you want. I mean, you can do void mining in like the equivalent of a starter ship if you want, and people are. Um, so a lot of people are coming back into the game and finding out when that money barrier gets taken down – does the game get ruined or more fun? And I guess that's kind of a perspective thing, right? Like, what would you rather do? Would you rather like, well, if I'm going to make my own space story, I want to be the guy who starts from scratch and does this and does that. Or do you want the money kind of given to you and then let yourself decide what you want to do? Um, so some community people are like, oh, this is too easy. This isn't the elite I love and grew up with, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's like, cool, finally, I can get the ship I want in a reasonable amount of time do what I want to do with it, equip it how I want to equip, and then go play kind of exactly how I want to play. Um, and Elite is probably the most complicated game in the world, but like with a lot of games that I find myself enjoying, it gets the basics really, really right. It's super fun just to fly uh, in space. You know, um, the cockpits look different. The world looks cool. There's billions and billions of planets that are all uncharted. So there, there's stuff to, you know, the vastness of space really shines in Elite. Um, there's people who take literal month long, like real time journeys to the center of the universe, um, you know, and it, it takes you that long to get there. And it's just you and your ship and fuel scooping at suns and, and stuff like that. So there, there's some cool stuff, but it's got to be the type of stuff you like. So this this change to the game really brought me back because they removed the grindiness from something I don't like grinding for credits and put it back and set on, OK, well, now that you've got the credits to do what you want to do, what do you want to do? Um, I, I find that a little bit more fun than what it had been. So you know what this kind of reminds me of? Um, you know, this this uh, distinction between, um, like, grindy simulation versus sandboxy simulation. Um, in some of the Roller Coaster Tycoon games, mm-hmm. there are scenarios where you they essentially take money out of the, out of the game entirely. And they're like, here's a park, and we need you to build... Um, a certain number of roller coasters that are that achieve a certain amount of popularity right and then you know you still need to sort of run the park a little bit so that people actually come to your coasters and ride them but um like you're otherwise free to create whatever kind of coaster you want without having to worry about resources or how expensive you know building a giant mountain for your track would be or something like that so yeah, it's sometimes I mean, it's sometimes fun to loosen restrictions. 
roller coaster tycoon because I just cheated all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's what I'm finding is it's a shift in the style of uh, of game that I find enjoyable now, where I don't feel like I have to do the thing that I don't enjoy to do the thing I do. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of games that are have been this long, or or maybe that open world or whatever you want to call it they're they're kind of afraid to do that anthem i think is probably the the one you can definitely point a finger at if you wanted to and say well the reason they don't give players loot is they feel like if the players get the loot they're going to stop playing the game right um so there's a little bit of a gamble there are people going to still be interested in the game if we take out one of the main things to it which in this case would be farming for credits but uh from from my money I mean, it's I, I'm fine with the changes they've made, and I, I enjoy what they've done with it. And it's still a fun all-around space game to play. You know, that part yeah. hasn't changed. Um, the only part that does is now instead of having to, you know, make this progression from shitty ship to shitty ship to good ship, it's like, nah, here, just go right to the good one <laughs> and see what you like. Um, and, and I and I like that. I think that's a good change. Yeah, it's so like to the point of, of Anthem and, and like these multiplayer shooters. The fun for those games in uh, for me, is getting to hang out with my buddies who don't even live in the same country as me online and just like it's Skype with guns basically. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not looking for you know the looty grind. I you can if you make fun scenarios, that's all I need. I'm not looking for the character progression really. Right. I know other people come to it for different things, but I I don't think they lose as much of an audience as they did because I think a lot of people are using it as a way to connect with their friends. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Elite, uh, if you haven't checked it out, I think it's it goes on sale like almost every other week. Um, and if you're just looking for like a chill, like non-stressful, that what they've done too that's interesting is they've broken the game into open, which is like basically open servers. You can run into other people who might steal your ship or, you know, like pirate your, your cargo or whatever. And they've got what they call solo, which is none of those people exist, just NPCs. And then they've got another one that's uh, – I can't remember what they call it. It's called like public groups or something. But you can join servers that specifically are like role play servers or people who are traveling to the far reaches of space or people who pretend to be space cops or whatever. Like you can get that RP experience built in uh, if you want to. So um, that part I think you know, depending on what you're looking for might be kind of fun too. Yeah. Sounds like sounds like it, it's something that that sandbox fans will enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, to Ben's point about cheating, uh, guess who's been cheating lately? Uh oh. Yeah. Um, I want to make very clear: I'm not cheating in a multiplayer game or a game with leaderboards. I am cheating in a single player game. Hell yeah, you are! I love and it. And that single player game is Sekiro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it, <laughs> difficulty fetishists. <laughs> Did you yeah. see the tweet? They're talking to you. <laughs> I yeah. I was like, "Fuck it." I work ten hours a day. I don't care. I don't care if I didn't get anything fulfilling out of this. Um, yeah, but so you, you didn't grow. You didn't improve. You <laughs> nothing. You experienced a hollow victory. Nothing was risk. Nothing was gained. It's sad that you don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what I'd say to that dude? Screw <laughs> you. I have a PhD. <laughs> In gameology. Yeah. <laughs> in cheating. Yeah. Yeah. All that plagiarism I did while I was in grad school. Um, no. Uh, so this is kind of, this is going to sound a little damning of the game. Uh, it's way more fun when you make it easier. Mm. I'm, I have a theory on this. 
Sure. Well, uh, and it's it. on Sekiro specifically compared to other FromSoft games. Because, like, in those, a lot of the kind of appeal is the fact that you're kind of slow and you're weak and you are, you kind of have to build up the courage to get these worlds, right? Like, yeah. that's one of the, that's why I love Bloodborne so much. Like, I am bad at Bloodborne, really bad, but I love the sense of triumph and that sense of difficulty. But the thing is, is that my character in Bloodborne is just like a person who's been cast in this horrifying Victorian nightmare. And in Sekiro, you're playing a dude who can like run on walls and run on ceilings and can like dive bomb people. And you don't really, I think maybe like the very nature of the way you move in that game is part of a problem though. Hearing what I've heard from you and from many other people, the difficulty curve is just really wonky in all sorts of other ways. Yeah. I was saying once that I think, I think I, what would have drove me crazy, what I probably, if I had to guess, drove you crazy is the fact that a fight would come up and it's like, okay, here's the only way you can do this fight. You can't stealth, you can't assassinate, you're stuck fighting this. And I, I hate that in games. So, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I could it's definitely It's a little bit of going. that. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit of both what you guys are saying. Um, in that, so to, to Wolfman's point, yeah, you're this guy who has all these acrobatic maneuvers, like you can jump over enemies, you, can, you have a grappling hook, etc. So you have a lot of mobility, and instead of building boss fights around that mobility, they build boss fights around restricting that mobility, mm. or yeah. they give you bosses that have ridiculous attacks that can reach you from like 30 feet away, and like it's built around restricting the mechanics or that you that you're used to using or making the mechanics that you're used to using useless and yeah once again this feels like an attempt to kind of take the formula that they've been building for years but in a way that doesn't really seem to understand fully like why that formula worked because yeah because like it all of your when you fight obviously bosses in their normal games they're huge and they're large and they're big and slow and you try to hit them in the butt um but uh with your sword um but like you can still move in a lot of different ways your the weapons you get the augments you get like those things can change and i think this is maybe this weird disconnect because they didn't imagine how to do a from software style of boss in a game that's most that's primarily that's mostly fun when you're moving around and being stealthy and i think that's yeah yeah it's going to be the point of Fucking, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to say is. Anyway, I fucking love Sekiro. I think it's amazing. I think it's the best game FromSoft have made. Like, oh, cool. I, yeah. like, fucking adore... Like, the one problem I have with it is I think the feudal Japanese setting is boring compared to the weird shit they've done before. Um, yeah. But other than that, like, the fact that bosses now are, instead of being, like... Because in... Oh, my God, I can't... Dark Souls. Like... Yeah. The primary, like, your primary goal in Dark Souls is always avoid taking damage first, hit the boss second. Like, that's always your thing. Yeah. So you, like, using your dodge rolls, your shields, your all that kind of shit. You're finding the save points and then waiting for them to, like, finish doing their attack and then taking in, like, your little fucking cherry tapping, doing, like, slowly whittling the health down and everything. Whereas, like, Sekiro is get in their fucking face, counter them, eat all their attacks, and break their stamina. It's like a very, very different fucking like yeah. mind that you have to use for the game that forces you to be far more aggressive and it like there's less yeah. waiting, I guess so I find. What I'd say is that 
as as far as aggression goes, it's like yeah, you're you're supposed to counter instead of dodge, but it's really really limited. And that like essentially, they're, like especially like the regular mooks, um, they'll attack you, and then you just it's like deflect, 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 deflect. Oh, now they're vulnerable. Attack, and it's mm. it's it feels for a game that's that's kind of about getting in their face. It feels really passive for that. Uh, it's it's a really strange dynamic. Because um, yeah. I don't I don't really have a dog in the fight. I haven't enjoyed from games in a long time, and and I know that. But it seems like this is the one for the first one. I've really heard a lot of complaints about the combat and the difficulty, which is usually like, yeah, there might be something that annoys me about you know three or Bloodborne or whatever. But like people online, I'm saying, but the combat is amazing, and and you know like that's a given. This is the first time I've kind of heard some people say some negatives about it, and just as an outsider, I thought that was kind of weird. I wonder if people. If some of it is getting bored with the formula, or if some of it is is the game itself, the, I think a lot of the like because there was a lot of pushback when it came out, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it is if you try like Bloodborne changed things up a little bit by getting rid of the shield, but it's still ninety percent the same thing. Yeah. If you try and play Sekiro, like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, you will fucking die. Like, I think people went into it expecting this to be samurai Dark Souls, expecting it to be able to <laughs> and yeah. like it's you just can't like other than the general like structure with like the fucking um what the poison swamp the buddhist statues <laughs> in, yeah the poison swamp. but like with the buddhist statues and the repopping enemies and everything other than that like general overall structure like the actual moment-to-moment gameplay is nothing like the other games and i yeah. think a lot of people went in expecting that got fucking destroyed and were like what the fuck this game sucks <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't have experience with the previous From Software games, so this is me going in cold and kind of playing it as it's meant to be played. Um, so... How? <laughs> How do you run a gaming podcast and never have, like seen a gaming movie or played a Dark Souls like this game? Guess who hasn't? Guess who hasn't played any Final Fantasy games? <laughs> oh fuck you! Um, I, actually, you know what, Merv, you're, you don't have to be alone in this. I've only played a few hours of Six, and I liked it, but in the end, I. I'm still learning about JRPGs. So uh, that that I I mistakenly heard that as I've only played a few hours of sex, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, FF six, F- Final Fantasy six, aka the one with the evil clown guy that everyone likes because Chapter. he's the evil clown who turns into God. Okay. Who likes evil clowns? Who likes clowns? I like clowns. I, I, no, clowns had, are horrifying. I've had a like, hot take that pisses off everyone that's a fan of Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy six fucking sucks. I, I don't know that. if it sucks, but it's not wow. my favorite either. It's... Okay. Final, okay like, y- there are so y- many better JRPGs on the Super Nintendo than the Final Fantasy games, like Chrono Trigger and Terranigma and shit. Like, I don't get the fetishistic obsession with Final Fantasy VI. Anyway, that's a complete... You know okay. So, back to so anyway, like, like, like back, back... Sorry? Back to, that's a complete tangent. You never even mentioned why you were cheating in Sekiro. What did you do? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so to get back to, to, to my experience at Sekiro, um, like, okay, also to Kappa's point about, you know, wanting to play it a certain kind of way or with a certain kind of freedom, the way the game is set up almost suggests kind of an immersive sim uh, like freedom. Like, you think you should be playing this like Deus Ex or Prey, but it is somewhat restrictive in that, you know, for a given boss, only maybe two strategies are viable. Um, or, you know, when you're meeting, when you're combating enemies, you really only just like go through this pattern of deflect, 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 deflect. Okay, attack now. 
Um, so there's a lot less freedom than the mechanics of the game would suggest. I wonder if and, like the people who are hardcore about not cheating it like watch YouTube videos about how to beat bosses. Do you know what I mean? Because like, hundred percent, there are oh, yeah. like fucking day one. There's like, hey, easy strategy for Lady Butterfly, easy strategy for the fucking monkey. Like, it's yeah. such bullshit. Like. People are all like, oh, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat. Anyway, here's how you glitch out the boss <laughs> so it fucking kills itself. Like, yeah. you're cheating, dude. You're, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, you're not figuring it out yourself. The same people who tell you you can't look at guides and you can't, like, you can't go through Dark Souls unless you just, like, no. The the best way to play Dark Souls is to play it the way you want to play it, damn it. Yeah. If you go through Dark Souls without a fucking guide, you will have no idea what's going on those games are so thoroughly designed that like you play them while talking to other people figuring yeah. out what the fuck this game is like, yeah, that, none of the that kind of explains my problem with bloodborne i never even did a <laughs> tutorial yeah so <laughs> I, I will say okay work it out <laughs> so i will say this about sekiro i got let's say about 40 percent of the way through the game without activating any sort of cheats whatsoever um, so I got decently far, basically up to the first, like, huge boss fight. There are, I think, two huge boss fights in the game. I got up to the first, and I went through, I spent a, quite a bit of time, you know, failing over and over to, to beat the boss, and then I beat, or I thought I beat the boss, I got through its two phases, a cutscene played, I'm like, okay, great, this is over. And then a third phase happened. And I was like, I have one heal left. And it took me several hours to get to this point. And I'm not, I'm going to have to go through, I'm going to have to train myself to be able to consistently get to this point. And I realized this is a bullshit waste of time. And I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm turning on cheats. Double damage. One third damage to me. And I don't want to grind anymore. So two or three times XP gain. And those are the only tweaks I made. I didn't turn on anything like invincibility yes, or like minor tweaks there. <laughs> oh, I would have done it all. They'll get, yeah, no, but I didn't turn on like invincibility or, or like no posture damage or like no poison damage or anything like that. Otherwise, it's normal. It's just I, I tweak the values and it's way more fun. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I again, getting back to I think what people think. Remember, there was like the debate of should there be an easy mode, right? Yeah. And a lot of people said, no, 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 no. But if you want, if you're a developer, don't you want more people to experience your game than not? I, I mean, I wouldn't think, you be proud think, of the story and this and that and want there to be a, hey, here's a... With the, no dif with the no difficulty mode is like, I love these games to be hard. Like like I said, I actually really enjoy Sekiro. I think it's amazingly designed. I don't <laughs> give a shit if Merv cheated. Like, I don't give a shit if someone has an easier game. I just won't. Yeah. Who the yeah. fuck cares? I, I've I never turned on cheats in any other game before. I cheat all the I, fucking time. I, I play, I play I games as they're, as they're constructed for the most part. Yeah. Like, I'm not concerned with other people going through games with, with cheats turned on or whatever, as long as it's not a multiplayer game. Um, and I, I usually play games just as they're designed. And I, yeah, I've like, turned through games. My favorite game... Like one of my favorite games is Warcraft Three, and I've never beaten that without cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good example of a game where you're like, look, I can I can struggle through all these bullshit stages where the AI des definitely cheats. Don't get me wrong, like there's no way they can make those units that fast. Or like games like The Witcher, where there's just so much weird shit to go collect, 
you know, and it, it's like it. Oh, I just big, quit The Witcher. Fuck that. But, <laughs> but like, it's either like, do I enjoy this game enough to just finish it out, or do I cheat? You know what I mean? Like, I, there's a lot of games now where I probably five six years ago I honestly would have quit. I never would have finished them. I feel like I haven't finished Red Dead Redemption Two because I can't cheat in it. Does that make sense? Like, like yeah, I feel like if no, it was totally on PC it. and I could have, if I could have, like, you know, cheat engined it, I'd have been done. I'd have completed Red Dead. But there's so many parts now where it's like, fuck, I don't want to go grind so I can buy a better horse, so I can go hunt this one thing, so I can, do, you know, what I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I don't have to do that, but it's part of the game to me, and I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? It's just, I, I don't know how to explain it. it. It takes away from me to have to do grindy shit. That was, yeah, I mean, I was about to say you didn't have to do any of that grandy shit for Red Dead Redemption, but you beat me to it. Yeah, I mean, I know I don't, but, like, I couldn't, I, I would know, okay, well, if I beat this in Chapter 4, it closes this out, and then I really don't play the game, you know, or, or, or get the story. I don't hear this dialogue from this character that explains their motivations or stuff like that, you know. So that that's the part of me where it becomes requirement, you know, to go hunting with, hunting the cougar with Jack, so he'll tell you... <laughs> you know yeah. the backstory if, of when why there's he, yeah key narrative in the side quest right becomes yeah yeah and i think th- i think there's games where there are like witcher's another good example there's a lot of shit going on in those side quests that if you skip them you know but then do i want to go farm for some amulets to kill a wraith to do that no i i here's the code i'm done <laughs> i i think um for me like i do feel that um at least with those specific games, like there is a relationship with difficulty that is kind of baked into the way they're made. And I do think that that should be preserved. However, I do think that a, you should be able to respect the fact that there are people who just physically can't play those games or who don't have time to really master them as well as they would to beat the game on normal. And so so there should be ways to deal with that. I'm going to slightly disagree with that. And that, Having turned on cheats, I don't feel like anything has been artistically lost I, whatsoever. I mean, that's and, for Sekiro, but I... Yeah, it, for Sekiro. I don't know. I can't speak to the other FromSoft games. Like, so you're absolutely right on that. Like, well, here, my relationship... My relationship with those games, or those two games, um, has been one where I've struggled a lot. And I should note, I've not beaten either. Um, in the end, I, got, I just felt that I, I didn't really feel that I could keep finishing the story but i do kind of want to at some point uh go back and take see them to the through to the end but at the same time i like like for me one of the most satisfying feelings i've had in the game in a long time is when i was playing through bloodborne and at some point i was going back to i was going through this nightmarish swamp and eventually i found my way back to the starting area of the game because there's a big it's always a swamp (laughs) it's always a swamp it's actually really cool the swamp is filled with snake dudes who are made out of other snakes. Yeah, it's the snaking, like all the snakes tied up together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. And there's like actual like swamp traps, like giant logs that get thrown at you. Um, and I was walking through the village and I felt really confident. I was actually able to deal with these enemies that had bedeviled me like out like so many hours earlier. And I think soon after that I died, but it felt good. <laughs> Because, no, it felt good because I was like, you know, I've learned so much, but I also know that sometimes you just fuck up and you got to go back. And that's something that, like, it, my, that, like, to me is something special on top of all the other parts of that game I like. But I think no, that. Uh, yeah. 
What I was saying is, like, it's it's cool that you get that particular sentiment from from Bloodborne or, or Dark Souls. Um, I don't think Sekiro is very good at generating a feeling of accomplishment through struggling through difficulty. I can say that's fair, and I and yeah. and they should note, like, as much as I do, you know, defend the way that difficulty is done in those games. Those games never, ever get it perfectly right. Ornstein and Smo is an awful boss fight. It's terrible, and it's unpleasant, and it made me absolutely want to quit the game. Uh, That's not even the worst boss fight in that fucking game. <laughs> fucking um, bed I... of chaos. Let's throw a fucking precision <laughs> jump at you 40 <laughs> hours into a game that, like, you might have got to that point and not realized there was a jump button. Like, <laughs> I Jesus did not. <laughs> I got... Yeah. I Yeah. You know what's I, interesting, though, is... What the fuck do you do here? Like, getting on Google, you have to jump on other jump? <laughs> what the yeah. fuck is jump? And it's worth noting, um, for that game in particular, Ben, that, like, all of that's, all of those worst bosses are, like, right at the end. It, it's interesting yeah. to me that, that you're kind of seeing this rise of the difficult game. At the same time, you're starting to see a lot of RPGs put in stuff like casual mode or like just give me the story or, you know, like I've been seeing that in a lot of games. I can't remember which one I started up not too long ago, but it was like, you know, like not necessarily enable cheats, but it's like, yeah, we're going to take it easy on you. And if you just want to experience the story of this game, you know, I, I've been seeing that in a lot more games, which I think is kind of an interesting aside. Like maybe if you just, if you're just playing this game for the story and you just want to kind of hang back and watch and like, I'm not 100% sure on this, but doesn't the newest Mario kind of have like a hold yeah. this button if you can't make this jump type thing? Yeah, um, they have. It, a... it kind of has like an assist-ish kind yeah. of mode. Like, I think that's kind of an interesting way of looking at difficulty where you've got one game series that's kind of like, okay, we're going to punish you, we're making it as hard as we can versus however you want to experience this game, we're going to let you and then, you know, see kind of... So, I think the... my Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the mode is not so much... Will will make this jump for you. It's more like it directs you exactly where to go, and it yes. doesn't penalize you as much if you fail. Yes, that it? that's okay. it. And it's more yeah, it's similar to how in Mario Kart, um, the new one, they have a, an option for help where the game helps you steer. Oh, that's kind of okay. cool. Yeah, and and that's good if you're you know if you're someone who actually can't play Mario Kart because yeah. um, it requires a level of motor precision you can't have. Um, I think the reason we're seeing this Kappa is that like over time like the original kind of like games that were based more on, on levels and difficulty kind of they had to make a one size fits all mm. and they typically did so in a way that made them well quarter munchers yeah yeah, yeah. like the third the third fight in street fighter is definitely a thousand times harder than the first half you know because they want yeah. you to get your money's worth but they don't want you to you know play the game through in one quarter or whatever they want to get their money's worth too yeah yeah um, um I, it's it's the interesting thing is playing with my kids a lot you know a lot of different games is seeing how games handle difficulty right um you know i talk i know i talk a lot about destiny but destiny on your own solo super easy game right now add three people in it gets a lot harder add six people to it the the difficulty comes from adding people into your game world or into what you're doing um i, I really like that style of difficulty to me the most the hardest things i've ever done in <clears> gaming have all been in MMOs, right? Like getting together a raid of 40 people who are doing, you know, very specific things, separated out in groups of four or five and nailing each little precision timing thing. I think that's what, the hardest thing I probably ever did was raid in WoW. You know, if you ask me yeah. what's what's the most difficult thing. But I mean, that's a difficult, that's oh, a different... fucking vanilla WoW raid. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's yeah. like ninety percent of the challenge. Then was just finding fucking forty people and getting them together at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I, mean, I used to raid in EverQuest when forty people was a, a low, a small raid too. You know what I mean? So like, you can get people for you're an insane oh, yeah. person. Yeah, but but that's that's a different style of difficulty, right? Where I like yeah. I could never get through Sekiro. But other people would be like, I, I couldn't put up with 40 people, coordinate and do that. And I find that a lot more fun than I do timing a jump perfectly. I mean, honestly, like I just do. So I think that's an interesting look at difficulty, too, is, is how do you how do you make a, a, a hard but fair co-op difficulty, too? Yeah, like it, it really it really depends from everybody finds different things difficult. Mm-hmm. So I there's some puzzle games I can beat that other people can't beat, for instance. I will um, never beat Bubber as you. Like, so, <laughs> I beat, like, so actually last, speaking of, of other things I've been playing, I actually beat the, like, okay, so there's this one puzzle that you can unlock about halfway through called A Way Out, and if you beat that puzzle, it shows you the credits, but it's really only half the game. So I beat that last night. Uh, but I wouldn't say I've, quote unquote, beaten, like, the entire Baba as you experience. But I have gotten yeah. to the credits, so <laughs> I like, guess I've beaten Baba as you. If you see the credits, that counts, unless you're playing Nier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nier was like, what just happened? I played Nier Unspoiled, and I, I, that game was a mindfuck, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, okay, the credits started. The game's starting now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a big fan of when they have the, like, the, jo- the fake joke endings, and they just, like... We'll just zoom like through the credits. And... With the credits, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's one, cre- there's one ending you get where you just like eat a fish and then die. Yeah, I, I actually got credit the sequence. You can get like ten seconds into the first mission of the game. When yeah, if you crash up, during that like weird you just, like, uh, bullet hell. Shit on one of the giant lasers, and then the credits roll. <laughs> it's like starting near, cool, and what the? Fuck? <laughs> I just beat the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So. Glitch, what have you been playing? I just got a copy of Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, Uh-oh. Just drop that in. Uh-oh. <laughs> I love your reaction there. We Uh-oh. had like this string of episodes where on literally every episode we just talked about Kingdom Hearts for half an hour. Um, I guess we're going back to that now. So what's what's going on with no, the I'm really interested to hear it. I, 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 this is the game that like there's a lot of games I don't play that I'm really interested in hearing about what people think of it. And Kingdom Hearts is probably the top of that list, to be honest with you. Okay, so what's going on with Kingdom Hearts 3, man? Well, to begin with, I have never known less about what's going on. In it. <laughs> <laughs> have you played the other games in the series, or are you going in cold? Uh, I'm going in sort of cold. I actually did buy the other two games, and I was so lost when I first started playing those. Okay, that I so kinda... if the fact that you're saying other two... <laughs> explains why you're lost. Well, the other two oh, games with numbers. The other two games yeah, with I know, numbers I know what of... he means, but there are games that are important for Kingdom Hearts 3 um, that yeah, are not I'm... numbered. In fact, you could actually <laughs> argue that I think you could make an argument that Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 are arguably not that important. Like It's like some mobile game only released in Japan was the most important game, Like I think I heard. The, the reason yeah. I'm, I'm interested in hearing what people say about this game, because we've had people come on it from uh, basically from like your perspective, like never played it before. And then people who are like super into all the weird lore. And it's interesting to like hear like the different viewpoints of people who have like kind of said, well, I never expected this thing that happens in this mobile game to be so important. But here we are because, you know, it's this giant reveal of this character and he ate 
and Norded this one person. I'm like, oh man, this I gotta hear more. <laughs> what is, yeah, is Nording like Horcruxing? No, I, I don't know. Like when they're like, oh, he got Norded, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, sounds. I still have no idea. Nording, like, there's a like, whole. Like, I mean, there's there's probably a good half hour of uh, cutscenes that I guess are supposed to bring you up to speed on what's going on, and <laughs> doesn't the game start? Uh. Um, doesn't the game actually start as by crediting itself as Kingdom Hearts 2.9? Yeah, yeah it, it does. It's which a is it's, also it's really kind funny. of a joke. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Because uh, like, are the Disney parts at least fun? Even if you don't get all the weird JRPG shit going on, that's what I've always kind of wondered. Like, I could get into some Disney stuff, you know, but if I have to go through four hours of cutscenes of you know Titus level, Fantasy still even in it. Because remember, this was a Disney crossover with Final it, Fantasy. Uh, not so much Final Fantasy, but just the JRPG, the JRPG stuff has overtaken the Disney stuff from what I've heard. I don't well, know. No, if that's true. Like, they explicitly had like Cloud and Sephiroth and all that shit in the first one. Yeah, uh, so they're they're all there, but they're not there very much. They were never there very much to begin with. Um, Tetsuo Nomura, the uh, creative engine behind the Kingdom Hearts franchise and a lot of in a bunch of the latter day Final Fantasies, has basically said that he he had to include them to sell the game as a Final Fantasy crossover, and so they basically all don't really have any roles, and they all just come from his games. <laughs> despite despite that, it's still very JRPG inspired with just kind of a Disney flavoring. I think. Yeah, it's very much in the structure of the plot. Uh, the way the characters act and interact with each other um, and, yeah, and the original characters are very JRPG-ish. Uh, are you digging it, though, Cliff? It's less JRPG-ish and more straight-up fan fiction that, like, <laughs> someone started writing and then just went... It's because it's like someone started writing, like, the Disney Final Fantasy crossover fan fiction, like, okay, I'll, like, create my own original character to, like, kind of introduce the world and interact oh, with like, me. And then it's like, I don't even give a shit about these motherfuckers anymore. You're gonna love Sora. And no, like, I, I, I swear to God, if Tetsuya Nomura were to create Sora today, he'd write, OC, do not steal under him. <laughs> do you like it, though, Glitch, or what? Uh, it's kind of too early to tell. Yeah. Um, I'm... The, the, so the game starts off, uh, I guess, in Thebes, the the little Hercules uh, world, and you run into Hercules and you run into James Woods. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> that's awkward. Yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> like, oh, that's that's a whole lot of James Woods to be dealing with, like right off the bat. <laughs> More James Woods than I really wanted to see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, then then you have um, like I, I like the I like the. I, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about the uh, the Final Fantasy side of things, but I like the just a weird random mishmash of having Pete from the old um, uh, Mickey Mouse shorts, you know, come through a evil dark portal along with uh, Maleficent, uh, give yeah, you shit and then leave. <laughs> that's definitely the part of it that I've always been most like I I I don't necessarily know if I've like I wouldn't call myself like a Disney super fan, but I don't know if there's ever been like anything that ambitious before where it's like a crossover RPG involving all these different Disney, um, you know, man, imagine now if they could do it with like Marvel as well. Um, you know, all these Disney properties I've always kind of existed out there. It'd be I think it's a cool idea. I just don't know what the other it's stuff. It's <laughs> such a cool idea that I wish someone else was making. 
Uh, well, I, yeah. hope, I hope the game just embraces the bizarre idea of, you know, running into Elsa on Steamboat Willie's boat or whatever the hell. <laughs> just, just go with it. Just see what you can do with it. I, I hope that's There's what it becomes. There's a bit of that in Kingdom Hearts 1, but not enough. Oh. Uh, the Disney worlds are kind of siloed and... People from different Disney worlds don't really interact with other people. Well, from it's... what I heard, I mean, I, I brought this up on the on the on the website, and the, you know, on the what are you playing this weekend? And somebody mentioned that I guess Disney kind of siloed it. Uh, wow, yeah. that's weird. Disney put in, a, you know, put their boot down in terms of you know what characters can inter- what Disney characters can interact with what other Disney characters and but what can't. It's not like Disney's done a lot in the world of games, like historically i wonder why they would have been so because it's still their ip and they're still erotic about it mickey smoking crack or whatever but i mean i think you give them a little <laughs> bit of license to you know treat it yeah, with they, gun. they've done a bit with with mickey at first they were really jealously guarding mickey like in the first uh king of hearts game you you barely see him uh but then they they loosen restrictions on him they're they're really generous with donald and goofy though they just Go around with everybody. Do you guys think that Mickey is still like, like a marquee property? Yeah, I would really? say, mm-hmm. like yeah. more than like I don't know, like Captain America. Well, I mean, of like I think in general, Nomura kind of views this as like Disney as Disney and not really it's like it's superhero subsidiaries or okay. other like. But even then, I still think Mickey Mouse is still sort of an icon. He's more of a retro one, but. Yeah, yeah like, he's very recognizable. To Disney, then a hundred percent yes. Like, fucking people fucking love Mickey Mouse. But yeah. it's, I love Mickey Mouse, and I don't like, like most Disney properties. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I don't have anything Mouse against shorts, it, but... those are amazing, and that's the only time I started caring about Mickey Mouse. I just mean yeah. from the perspective of like, if you're gonna have Mickey in a game at all, you know, why not let them have a little bit of creative license to do something interesting with him? Uh, well, rather than limit it. Well, they did that. It was called Epic Mickey 2, and it sucked. Like an yeah. It's Lord fucking Swordmaster, like, badass king killing hundreds of dudes. Like, they went <laughs> crazy with Mickey Mouse and Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, and I know I make this so joke. Fine, there is a bit in Kingdom Hearts 2, I think it is, where Mickey Mouse, in his fucking high piece, ha ha, voice, gives this whole speech about, like, don't get consumed by darkness. And- <laughs> That's what I've been liking so far about Kingdom Hearts 3, so you're hearing that shit coming out of Donald Duck. <laughs> it's fucking Funny great. Shit. <laughs> your heart. <laughs> and I know I make this joke every time I come on here and we talk about Kingdom Hearts, but I do think it's worth noting that Disney, if nothing else... Let a man put Donald Duck in a video game and have Donald Duck's hat have three zippers on it. Yeah, <laughs> not a zippers. <laughs> like, but how, many, how many belts do they get on the hat? At least two, right? I mean, <laughs> no, but I think he wears two belts. Ah, good, good. You don't want yeah. his duck pants. Does he wear pants? No. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, Kappa? Donald wearing pants? There's some lines, even Donald Duck. Uh, Final Fantasy will not cross. Yeah. It reminds me of that old bit from Friends where, where Chandler's like, Donald Duck doesn't wear pants, but when he gets out of the shower, he wraps a towel around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Looks like he only has uh, one belt, actually. Only one belt? Is no he pants. even in a JRPG? <laughs> yeah. 
but his jacket has two zippers that don't appear to do anything, plus another... I don't think it's two zips on his head. I think it's one that kind of spirals around it. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, so no, no, it's like... two zips. It's definitely two zips. He's got about five zips. Oh, man. Okay, so if you like, if you like, pull the zipper, do you like unwind his hat like an yes, orange like peel? Like a spiral. <laughs> it's a, no, you see what happens, yeah. Merv, is that when um, they capture, when when enemy forces capture Donald, he unzips the whole hat and there's a cyanide capsule in it. <laughs> I'll never expect that. <laughs> oh god, I would if you're going down, I'm going down too. Quack. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, anything else you want to tell us about Kingdom Hearts three? Uh, well, I'm playing it on beginner mode to, to bring the conversation back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's what I'm doing on Rechain of Memories right now, uh-huh. which you need to go back and finish at some point. Um, ben, what have you been playing? Well, I'm playing the game that actually got me to stop playing Sekiro, which I'm probably never going to go back and beat now, which kind of depresses me. But anyway, um, Mortal Kombat 11 is really fucking good, hey? Wow. Like, oh, nice. Nice. Holy shit, that game... like. I like the Mortal Kombat games and the movies and the bad movies and the TV show. And anyway, but like, fuck, they made a really good game. <laughs> like, it seems like all I've heard is controversy and so much little about the game itself. That's interesting. The actual like core like fighting and everything is easily the best Mortal Kombat has ever been. Because like Mortal Kombat started off kind of all right, then got to like the PS2 era with like those games are just. <laughs> trash and then like they kind of started unfucking themselves around mortal kombat 9 which was a reboot and but they, they still felt like just clunky and weird and this is like the first mortal kombat game that just really feels good to play and have you played uh, did you play the injustices at all uh yeah because i i feel like mortal kombat weirdly learned a lot from injustice um and like that kind of may not have been like the reboot they needed but injustice felt so fresh to me um and then it seems like in like stuff from injustice kind of found its way into mortal Kombat. well yeah because it's like the it's like the guys just going one to one to one like keep making the same game so basically they're like the progression of like mortal Kombat is really like the mortal Kombat team at the moment is really like mortal Kombat 9 injustice 1 mortal Kombat 10 injustice right mortal Kombat 11 um the big difference though is like, it seems like a really minor difference. The injustice is you hold back to block in Mortal Kombat is a button. Um, yeah. Which doesn't seem that big a deal, but, like, it fucking is because it means Mortal Kombat characters are constantly teleporting behind you, which is a thing that just absolutely fucks you if you're holding back to block. Um, but it just makes the game feel a lot more chaotic because everyone can, like, just suddenly teleport all over the screen and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, of the of the fighting games, Mortal Kombat's always been my favorite to play. Like, it's always the one. Like when I was a kid, I would go learn the finishing moves and this and that. So I did get used to the block button style of Mortal Kombat. I don't know if I've Mortal ever. Mortal Kombat is, I feel like, at the moment, it's the video game series that has the most fun being a video game. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much dumb shit in Mortal Kombat. Like, but like, because like. Um, like, say, Street Fighter, I mean, it's all like, oh, we're going to be this competitive mode and all this yeah. stuff and everything. Mortal Kombat's like, we put a fucking eight-hour third-person adventure game in this, <laughs> and, like, it's full of references to the movie from 1994. Like, you go down into this cave and everything, and, you know, like, you guys have seen the Mortal Kombat movie except for Merv, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, oh, you know the yeah. big fucking, like, 
dining hall set they have. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's completely recreated, and you can go down there, and there's even the table that Kano is sitting at eating the big, like, leg of, like, ham. Yeah. There is Kano's skeleton sitting there holding the big, like, fucking. (laughs) I found the fucking. The statue of the weird CG monster version of Reptile from the movie. Nice. And it's like, oh my god, they went crazy. But the thing that I love the most about it is they made Kano into the really racist caricature of an Australian person that <laughs> I always wanted from a fighting game. <laughs> it, it's like, about it, time that they really embraced the villains in that series, too. You know, like, I don't know. But it's like, like Street Fighter has, like, all, like, Dal Sim, he's, like, this massively racist Indian caricature. And, like, they're, like, all, like, like, the American dude is, like, army man with, like, two American flag tattoos and shit. And, like, yeah. So, Kano hey. is... Yeah? I just realized, you're right, they have never done an Australian character in Street Fighter. What the hell? Three <laughs> Australian fighting... Trust me, I... Hard, care hard to animate a kangaroo. <laughs> well, they did the Tekken. Yeah. Um, but there's three characters born in Australia in fighting games. There is Kano from Mortal Kombat, there is Marduk from Tekken, who uses Valtaido martial arts and has an American accent, and all his customization here is Gridiron stuff. Um, and there is Zappa, the possessed ghost dude in Guilty Gear, is apparently Australian, <laughs> but fuck finding that out. But like, yeah. So Kano, at this point, is an alcoholic Australian criminal bogan. Yeah! Fake, yeah, he's like He's not an Australian voice actor, but it's a dude doing a really good, bad Bogan accent, and I love it. Um, his fatality is he glasses you with a beer that he just sculled. All <laughs> his move names are, like, just random, out-of-context Australian slang. The Outback, no the Outback Bloomin' Onion. Yeah, like, Here comes the no rules really just cool. right. It's like, takeaway, guys. His super move. Is literally called "I'm not here to fuck spiders." <laughs> <laughs> like all his costumes and everything are just named after random Australian cities that are nowhere near <laughs> each other. Like, so like, but, like, here's the Townsville outfit. Here's the I don't know Launceston outfit. Yeah, like he's got one called Gold Coast Goon, which I'm like, fuck yeah, that's like right near me. And he has another one which is like a Melbourne Masher or something, which is like. For, if you don't know Australian geography, it's like New York and like Florida, I guess. Like they're not really close at all. It'll be interesting okay. to see if the if the gameplay and everything of Mortal Kombat can kind of overcome its like unfortunate for many angles launch, like from the Ronda Rousey controversy to the oh, on the she's other side. So of... bad. <laughs> well, that oh, and like she's kind of shitty, but th- then no, on the like, other Ronda side, Ronda Rousey's a bad person. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but she's so bad. Like. <laughs> She, oh my god, like she, the story mode in this game is amazing, except for every scene that Ronda Rousey is in, because she can't fucking act to save her life, uh, I... and then they give her, like, the emotional core of the story. <laughs> Wait, how, how bad are we talking, are we talking, like, Condoleezza Rice on 30 Rock bad, or <laughs> We're worse? talking, like, The Room bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Honestly, that's what I've seen the most, is The Room, like, people uh, comparing her to The Room, but... Like, I, and, and it, you're tearing like, me apart. There's bits well, in this game. Uh, hi, like, Rhonda. 
actually, like, around, um, can I give some, like, spoilers for the early game? Yes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, There's no okay. plot, who cares? Because I mean, there's a lot of plot. At the beginning of the game, right? Like, yeah. Probably, like, the first, like, 10, 15 minutes or so of the story mode, and then, like, time travel shenanigans shit happens, and Sonya from the past comes into the future, right? And so, like, Sonya from before, she ever, like, hooks up with Johnny and all that kind of stuff. And so there's, like, this really emotional scene where, like, Johnny keeps forgetting that this isn't the Sonya that he's been married to for 10 years. And it's, like, the, Johnny's voice actor is amazing. And it's, like, this scene's kind of heartbreaking. Except then you get fucking Ronda Rousey, like, oh, no, I'm not your Johnny. Just, <laughs> like, oh, fuck off. But if you think about if you think about Mortal Kombat, so you have the Ronda Rousey part of it. You have the girls aren't are wearing too much clothing part of it. So a whole another fact. I'm not saying wrong or right. I'm just saying a whole another. And then the microtransaction uh, crypt bullshit. Like there was no microtransaction bullshit in this game to launch with. Like that's it's it's so weird though. Like how like if if they can pull it together, that'll be a hell of a second win that this game gets. Straight up fixed any of the problems with like the crypt and. Because they said, like, it's, like, $6,500 worth of microtransaction stuff. And it, mm. It's not. There is a store that you can spend the microtransaction bucks at, right? And there are five random items from the crypt in there every day. Like, you can't buy everything. You would have to sit there and wait, like, a year. Uh, until it rotates through. Gotcha. Items. Like, I don't know. But, like, the like it was really grindy because... There's like three different currencies you spend in the crypt, but they're all only in game. Like you get hearts, souls, and money, and it's super fucking grindy. But um, they mostly fix that by like basically tripling the amount of everything you earn. So you'd earn like a thousand coins from finishing a tower, and now you earn like sixty thousand. So maybe they like, can patch out uh, Ronda Ronda next. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. well, they did that with the Dinklebot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. and also like Cynthia Rothrock is right there, and yeah. she. <laughs> Like she ins- was one of the inspirations for so for the actual Sonya. Yeah, Trisha Helfer was Sonya in Mortal Kombat X, and she was amazing. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like she and why did they get her then? I mean, <laughs> I mean she yeah, can't be that. more Canadian content in there. Why don't? Yeah, we? that's so weird, man. I mean, like I guess maybe Ronda Rousey's kind of hot right now. I don't know. Is she? She mostly wrestles, but I think she only wrestles like once a year. Yeah, and most people into wrestling are kind of sick of her. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know why they got Ronda Rousey. And, like, everyone else in the, like, everyone else's voice acting in the game is amazing. And they're even starting to get, like, actors from the movie back. Like, uh, the dude that plays Shang Tsung in the movie. Yeah, Kerry Hirogui Kagawa. Yeah. You said it way better than I did. Um, (laughs) like, he's Shang Tsung in this game. And they're, like, face scanned him and everything. And he's doing all the motion capture and voice acting for it and everything. And he just constantly shit talking you all through the crypt. It's amazing. I just wanted to note um, that uh, Carrie, in addition to playing uh, Sang Sun in the Mortal Kombat movie, also plays um, Heihachi in the Tekken movie. Oh, wow. Um, so he's got a niche. <laughs> it, yeah. Which means. Wait, which Tekken. Oh, Heihachi, sorry. I'm thinking of Kazuyo, who has no. weird goatee and fights with two actors in that movie. Um... <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, he's Heihachi, and he's also. Um, He's also uh, Shang Tsung, which means I guess he needs to play now. Uh, he, yeah, he's got to be poison. <laughs> he's got to be a um, a Street Fighter villain, 
a Blaz Blue version villain, a Smash Brothers version villain, and what's she another like? Man. Yeah. Under Birth and Night, whatever that's called. There's, there's, there's a Samurai series. Showdown fan out there. He wants a movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm so excited for the new Samurai Showdown. Hey, yeah, me too, actually. You're making a new Samurai Showdown? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looks awesome, dude. Wow. It's going to have like one hit kills again. Ooh. Yeah, like yeah. five hit combos or a fucking touch of death. It looks so good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Wolfman, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a game that is probably pretty familiar to the podcast, um, and that is my continued exploration of JRPG series I don't know. In this case, it's the giant Shin Megami Tensei Empire with Persona 5. And I have been enjoying it a lot. Um, uh, It's, um, for those who haven't played it, it's basically Jungian Pokemon, (laughs) where... You spend part of your time as a high school teenager in Shibuya, like go, trying to be good at classes, going out on dates, hanging out, trying to take care of your plants, um, going to the batting cages, hanging out at a bar, um, running guns for a, a model gun enthusiast salesman. And the other part... Of, um, yeah, perfectly normal. Yeah. Perfectly normal. Um, also, that guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the reporter lady, the the drunk reporter who you hang out with at the bar, I only realized that she basically Wait. gives you a useless power. Did you um, oh, yeah. the she reporter sucks. lady at a bar? Aren't you a high school kid? Yes, you can work. Yeah, you're not supposed to be going to that bar. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, it's it's part of the, the fiction. They, yeah. they account for that. Yeah, the, and the other part of the time, you basically are a super cat burglar who basically infiltrates people's minds to steal the, like, collected desires that they that have caused them to commit atrocities and abuses, to often to children or to people who are helpless. Um, and in doing so, you ex- enter this kind of Jungian nightmare world where the collective unconscious creates... Uh, creatures that are based on people's psychosexual like fears and mythological and literary icons. So you can fight things from like weird mandrakes to demons with strap-ons to a monster that's just a stress ball with evil blue faces on it. Okay, and also a monster that? that's literally just sitting on a toilet. Yeah. It's called Belphegor. He's pretty cool. I have not met Mara, Mara the Penis Chariot yet. Um, oh yeah, Mar Mar the Penis Demon. Yeah, I, I played them, fought that guy a lot. Um, yeah, so it's it's very much a game that, uh, let's say, is is a uh, deeply political. Yes, <laughs> in uh, a lot of ways. In in ways that aren't um all, that aren't nearly as enlightened a lot of the time as they really should be. Um, when I'm just Wolfman Jusevic, that's uh my character's name. Though, I guess we'll just call him Joker, because that's his code name. Uh, like, when he's trying to help people, like, deal with kind of these abusive people in their lives, for the most part, it's fine. Um, you, do, you go into a giant super subway that's basically the collective unconscious of Japan and, and basically try to force them to confront the, like, the reasons behind their actions. But it's also it's got, like... weird that all this shit you're talking about, like, the psychosexual monsters and confronting people's minds and everything, I'm just like... 
yeah, yeah, that tracks, but like, wait, you go into a bar? That's still disturbing me the most. Um, there's a batting cage, which I went to once and was like, no, fuck this. Um, there's yeah, a back... it's not a great part of the game. Yeah, there's a um, back alley doctor. There's, it's all weird. There's a child, super brilliant video game player who I haven't met and don't want to. But, um, um sorry. Yeah, he's Isn't kind like of a, a dick. dating sim co- component yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, sort of. You don't have to do it. I didn't do it really. Wait, no, I did date someone. I, I, I remember forget. there having. I don't know. I haven't played. Well, I played a little bit of three, and I think three was kind of the reboot, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Three was the one. Three is the game that got me to quit playing Sony games. (laughs) Yeah, five is five and four introduce a lot of stuff that takes out three's annoyances. I've got yeah. Then I've got to give another shot because three had a lot of stuff into it. Like it it was very like schedule based, right? Yeah, that's this too. Uh, That's still there, Uh, but they take out a lot. A lot of the like the dungeon crawling mechanics that kind of suck. Oh, thank God, Persona Three sucked for that. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is that in the previous two games, or maybe previous four, um, the dungeons were all kind of, like, randomly generated. Badly yeah. randomly generated. Ooh, uh, like... it... Persona 5's dungeons... Okay, so there's this this uh, collection of randomly arranged dungeons uh, called uh, Mementos. Mementos. Yeah. And then, but each regular dungeon is completely... Um, like kind of bespokely designed. Bespokely oh, yeah. is not a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The, um, yeah, they're these uniquely old, designed. Basically, they're the people you target, and they're the people who represent like the bigger crimes. And so, because of that, their pal, their dun- the dungeons are called palaces, and they're these, like, just as the name says, these palatial estates that have like crazy designs. And there's one where you go to a museum and you like jump around these giant like classical paintings that represent the 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 villains' like psychological state. Yeah, and as you progress through that dungeon, like it starts looking out like a normal art museum, and it gets kind of increasingly abstract. And as you reach the end of the dungeon, uh, you end up in this sort of Asherian nightmare uh, with like staircases and paintings at odd angles. It's really weird. That sounds really awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. There's one thing that always just like I look at like oh, maybe I should play Persona Five, and then I look at like. How long to beat? Main story, 96 hours. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh... Yeah, it took me 120-something hours to beat the game. Or you could like, cheat. <laughs> uh, not on a PlayStation, unfortunately. Yeah, you... Uh, you sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the way you... All I do to cheat is just rank up the social meters with all the people I don't like. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I... Persona's one of those series that's always been kind of a, a blind spot to me, but it's because I had such a bad experience with three. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's been hard for me to keep Three's up with bad, what. Isn't it? I I couldn't get into it. I, I've got a yeah. friend who's probably replays three twice a year, and I mean he loves it. But I've given it's it like a fair shot once or twice. Yeah, I know, I know. But Jesus like, I, th- that's if, the thing uh, about it, right? You have to play it a lot of times to get all the different things because of how yeah. the structure of it is. You know, I, I these kinds of games. I play them once. I'm cool with them. I don't need to play them again. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely glitch? time consuming. Um, anything else you want to, to tell us about the game? Um, just in general, um, it's um, you noticed this back when the game came out, Merv. But the writing is particularly interesting. <laughs> it's okay. I. We had this. We've had. We've talked about this on the podcast before. 
Um, part of it is because the localization is more literal than it should be in places. Um, so some concepts that don't translate well out of Japanese were kind of literally preserved, which they shouldn't have been. Um, part of it is because um, the politics of the game are in some cases less enlightened than you would expect them to be given how they how the politics are are, are uh, in general arrayed in other aspects of the game and some of it is just kind of this this cultural barrier where a lot of major political concerns that this is specifically taking aim at don't have neat analogs in north american politics yeah so people don't really absorb the nuances um like the way it's taking aim at the criminal justice system in Japan doesn't really apply to the way the criminal justice system works in North America. Yeah. So there's kind of this weird disconnect. Um, so I'll say this about the writing. Uh, there are times when I felt that the way it was localized or kind of the way that, that the dialogue had laid it out didn't allow me to fully appreciate what the game was going for. And I, and I still really value what the game is, is trying to say ultimately about... Yeah. Um, I mean, not to spoil the ending, but like ultimately, what I was trying to say about about power and how people exploit it is is um, something that people should really take to heart. But it doesn't always come across as well as it should. Yeah. Um, and um, the writing also. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say no. I absolutely agreed on all accounts. It's a game that can be really forward thinking at some times and really backwards in others. And that's kind of all compounded by this overly literal translation that tries to be super faithful, but doesn't really, but in a way that like, so there I'm going to use this example um, because I was able to kind of look it up while uh, you were chatting. Um, so in the game, you have a friend, he's called Morgana. He's like a little cartoon cat monster. Um, he is power. His, his psychosexual persona is Zoro is the classic literary character Zoro. And there's one line um, early in the game where he says, um, they see these enemies that are attacking them. He says, it means they're holding nothing back and are serious to kill us. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. Natural. Yeah. And sometimes um, it's okay. The, the, the best line that, that clearly got literally translated is when, a cop asks you, are you hallucinating from an overdose instead of like, are you high? <laughs> and we should be clear. Like when I initially heard that, like written down, not when I was playing the game, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I could see that working as like a funny comedy line. No, this is during a very serious, um, kind of the, the, um, the framing device of the game is that your, your high school cat burglar has been arrested and assaulted by cops and a prosecutor is coming in to interrogate him. And so the whole game is him explaining what's been going on. And at one point, Oh yeah, this game does not like cops. Yeah. (laughs) Which speaks near and dear to my heart. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) The, yeah, there's so many great lines, um, that are just like really weirdly designed and, like, Mr. Kamashita is too nice for not abandoning a punk like that. Which is... I, if, if I was to just to jump into five, what would would it be? Would it make sense? Would it be enough yeah. to skip three and four? Yeah. Three and four totally each, separate. They're all independent from each would other. Would you have to play any of those weird other games no. that came out since? Okay. No, no, no. no you don't um, that's the real nice thing about the Persona series. They're like the Far Cry series. You can jump in with whichever one you want. All right. Yeah. Final Fantasy would also be a good um, a good point there um yeah, yeah. 
you don't need to play any of the fighting games or the dancing games or the other persona games. Uh, basically there's recurring stuff that there's stuff that recurs. Mainly there's this weird, creepy old dude who kind of looks like a 14th century Jewish caricature named Igor, who's actually, <laughs> who's pretty rad. Um, he lives in a magical place that I'm pretty sure is meant to, it's called the velvet room and all the velvet's blue. So I'm assuming that's actually just a direct Lynch reference. Um, yeah. And there's monsters like Mara the Penis Chariot that recur, but yeah, the characters in the the tropes kind of recur, but the characters are all this are all different. Gotcha. Yeah, I will say there's one subtle thing that relating to Igor that you might not appreciate as much if you haven't played the previous Persona games, yeah. but I don't think it'll matter that much. Um, and that's kind of a spoiler, so I'm not yeah, going to say anything more. I know, you know, you don't have to play the you know persona fighting games but honestly the only persona game i've played and like uh like spend any real time on was persona 4 arena that game's a kick in the pants persona 4 arena is great it's a fun freaking fighting game the best thing about the fighting games i reckon is getting to see the characters from old games in the new games timeline as adults yeah that shit's rad also it's just a really good arc systems work fighting game yeah, I mean it's a great. I, I just like the one little dude who work. pulls a you know a, a cruise missile out of his mouth and throws him at. Uh, <laughs> I mean that's just quality entertainment. Yeah, I fucking love weird video game shit like that. Just mm-hmm. go all out. What was man. the square fighting game? Ur guys or something like that. Do you guys remember hey, that one? Don't come to my fucking house and talk about Ur guys. All right? <laughs> I would be all day. You don't even know. That was like my first taste of like, okay, I guess this is a weird fighting game because, man, this makes no sense. Like, Parasite E versus Cloud. (laughs) I'd never even played a Final Fantasy game, which is the whole reason for getting Urguys because it has the Final Fantasy VII guest characters in. No, I like the original Urguys characters. (laughs) I I like the chick that turns into a panther. No, like a leopard. And her <laughs> intro cutscene is like her jumping across logs, falling off a train. And then there's like a whole fucking adventure mode RPG in that game. Yeah, that's what I remember too. And yeah, don't even get me fucking started on her, guys, man. Yeah, I like that play, somebody uh... else... oh, Go ahead. I just like that there's somebody else who remembers that game because I rented it back at a Blockbuster back when that was a thing to do. And I played oh, yeah. that game and Those I was like, what is this? And I like there was no internet for me to go figure out what this was. Uh, and by the time I figured it out, I was like, yeah, this is the weirdest game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> yeah, video games video games are weird, guys. I like, I like um, the bizarre crossovers. I like. Did you ever play uh, Fighters Megamix or Fighting Megamix, whatever it's called, for the Saturn, where you can play as the virtual... F- car like a... <laughs> oh yeah the car that punches right yeah the car that just yeah it... so it's like i was gonna say no uh, it, it like... I, was, I was confused i was about to say cujo no it's like carrie no it, no like... it's like the car from virtual car like it rears back <laughs> yeah, on it... like it's high yeah, it, it, fights on, it fights on its yeah it's rolling around on its back wheels and it punches <laughs> those front wheels that's incredible i fucking love video games <laughs> oh if you want to see something fucking wild there is a hidden versus fighting game mode in one of the Matrix games what? that has the same thing where you can play as cars that are like <laughs> on their back legs and like the tires pop out into the feet and the hands and shit. <laughs> but like doing fucking Matrix. I forgot the Matrix fighting. even had games to be honest with you. Besides the MMO. Like what? Wachowski's like love video games. Yeah. It's a property so, too for, for it. For the fucking, I think it's... Yeah. 
into the Matrix, where, like, the Wachowskis just come out and go, like, yeah, the enemy we made for the movie would be shit for a game, so here's a giant boss fight. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that didn't get as many video game treatments as some other stuff did, you know, but I then again, we haven't had a good Marvel and they all game. Suck, and... and everyone's like, uh, let's back off on this. <laughs> Yo, they should make, like, a, a fucking Sensate video game in the style of, like, Life is Strange. I'm gonna <laughs> the shit out of that. Um... Yeah, so that was what we've been playing. Uh, we've been talking for quite a while, but we have one more topic that I think we're going to kind of address fairly quickly. And uh, that's the subject of magic in video games. Um, magic is in a lot of video games, guys. Um, and the interesting thing, it, I mean, it's also in a lot of other fiction. But what's interesting about magic in games is that it's not just part of the story. It's often something that you like do in video games right you like cast spells and shit um so um uh yeah go ahead so i just wanted to ask beforehand i i just want to make one note that when we say magic we're also kind of referring to a lot of kind of fantastical worlds and yeah techno yeah uh yeah uh like yeah like science fiction or things that don't necessarily go in what we would unlike the kind of the world of high fantasy um merv uh you mentioned prey which is all science fiction, but all it's science fiction is magic, basically. Yeah, or like like playing Mass Effect. If you play as like a biotic, no, that's, you're you're a fucking space yeah. wizard. Let's yeah. be real, space man. Magic for sure. Same with Bioshock. Um, you know, I want to yeah, like, talk about kind of maybe about maybe my earliest experience with magic in a video game. I don't know if anybody else played. Well, I'm sure people played. <laughs> never mind. It's not that like Loki. But have you guys ever played Betrayal at Crondor? Uh, Years I ago, heard of it, which means I shouldn't be running a video game podcast. <laughs> well, we'll fix that right now because, but not. I mean, it's it's a good MS Dossy type. Uh, you know, like if you looked it up, you you probably played a hundred thousand dollar. You know, not a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand games like it. It's it's a very, um, it, it's it's your standard what what video game RPGs looked at at the time. But it had a really cool magic system uh, that was that involved drawing. Um, and that was kind of one of my first experiences with magic in a game where I kind of felt like it wasn't so like it wasn't just a button I clicked. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, like had to actually like draw the like the path of the wand. Yeah, on the screen. stuff like that. I, not necessarily. You probably have to watch a YouTube video on it. Um, I'm sure you could find out, you know, but um, that was probably my first experience with magic. Um, and it kind of. I guess ever since then, it's yeah. kind of made me feel like magic should be something in a game that's kind of hard to do. Uh, or requires yeah. almost like a skill, and but I've always so, been kind of disappointed when it, when a magic is just a skill or a button you click. Does that the make sense? The only other the only other game I can think of that does that is weirdly enough Darwinia. Yeah, where you used to, you had to like draw the the commands for for your units. Um, um, yeah, Okami so was a major. Oh yeah, Okami also does that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I played Okami. It's basically how you cast um, spells by drawing. On a, Castlevania: on a... Dawn of Sorrows did it, and it's the worst fucking thing in the world. Yeah, that uh, that is the a very good argument for Dawn of Sorrow being the weakest of the 3DS Castlevanias. Yeah, so I mean, like, have, it, basically in that game, when you beat a boss, you have to like draw a magic seal on the little touch screen, and it's like super awkward because like you've just been doing like the intense button, and they're like getting out the styles and quickly doing it. You have a time limit, and if you don't do it, the boss comes back to life, and then you fucking die. And that also, sucked. In, in that game too, it also drained like your stamina, like it hurt you to do, you know what I mean? Like, so like it felt like when you, like magic was almost like something that you didn't necessarily 
you know, want to use like haphazardly. It was something that changed the flow of battle and you had to like find magic and magic was really rare. And I guess ever since then, like that's been kind of my thing, right? Like I enjoy magic that um, like when a, when a game has a magic system that it feels like the magic, if you're using it, it's important. Like everyday magic or, you know, casting magic missile constantly, it, it should have some type of negative to it. And I think like not to steal it, yeah, and, and I don't yeah. think many games have done that besides maybe Dragon Age, where you know, yeah. it, that that's more worked in narratively, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah, where mages are are kind of oppressed, and, and then you know they're 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 these ticking time bombs that could turn into demons at any moment. Um, yeah, so they're they're sort of worked in narratively, like if you're a mage, the people regard you with suspicion. Um, and like another game that has done that, actually, Wolf I mentioned earlier is Prey, where mm. if you use too many magic powers, then the turrets in the game turn against you. Uh, if you use a magic power in front of one of your colleagues, then they'll start like fleeing or shooting at you. Um, so yeah. that way, magic does have a cost in uh, some games. But, I remember the yeah. first game I played that had like a mat, like a thing with magic in it that actually made me like sort of go, "Holy shit, that's super cool." Um, it was like you go and you play like I was growing up playing like all the fucking like PS1 JRPGs like Final Fantasy and all that shit. And the thing that always kind of weirded me out about a lot of them is the magic is completely disconnected from the story. Like yeah, you play through Final Fantasy VII. Like the, I don't think does the story even ever mention material like lets people shoot fireballs. Like basically, it's a completely separate thing. That's like a gameplay mechanic completely separate from the actual story it's telling. And I think mm-hmm. like. The, they mentioned the summons in Final Fantasy VIII for like ten seconds. Like, hey, turn that all these summons eat our memories. Yeah, like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then like we cease to exist. Like, yeah. like the um the start of Lost Odyssey on the 360. It's like this big war, like right, and like a whole bunch of people get like fucking murders and everything. And then they have like these tanks with mages all standing on the top, casting revive <laughs> on all the soldiers, and they just get up again and keep fighting. And it's like the first time I'd seen like like jrpg kind of like magic tropes that you always see in everything but then applied to the narrative and the story and the like taking you to the logical conclusion of like how does this army fight if you have mages that can revive people and right how come i can't give yeah how come i can't give eris a a phoenix down right (laughs) yeah (laughs) the um yeah and i think that also goes to one thing and i mentioned it's something kappa mentioned but uh it's this it's the idea of a cost like Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of times in fiction, um, magic has this idea of a palpable cost, right? Like, you have to trade, like, some stories are like, you have to give up your soul or your life or whatever to get all this power. And they, even if they don't necessarily go that far, I would be interested in, what about, a t- say, a tactical shooter, where if your soldiers died normally, they just die, but if they died in a certain way, you could fill up a powerful magic pool, so you'd like, have uh, to. Um, oh shit! That uh, seems like a like a Warhammer thing. I'd almost I'd almost guarantee there's some kind of well of yeah. souls or something in Warhammer. Like, I don't uh, know. <laughs> in dungeon in the Dungeon Keeper games, you could like send your dude into like a torture room to be tortured and <laughs> killed, and like help you summon other monsters and like. And he also had like because you could summon the Horned Reaper as like the ultimate unit, but then he would indiscriminately kill your guys and like enemy dudes and everything and it had all kinds of shit like you have to sacrifice things to get more things with your magic that's interesting yeah, yeah. 
you know, thinking about games that have a cost for magic, I think I think one of my most or my least liked ones is the systems in Skyrim. I've just yeah. never really enjoyed the systems in Skyrim where it's like, okay, there's these colleges and magic is this kind of forbidden thing, but not really because everybody fucking does it. And like, yeah, I, 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 that one always felt the worst to me. If it's I could, it feels like different yeah. parts of the narrative are kind of out of step where everybody has to go to school to learn this really esoteric knowledge, but it turns out everybody's gone to this school. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and the powers, like there are some powers in Skyrim that are really cool. Like, you know, the ones that make you move, um, like the ones that make you sound lighter or whatever, but like, but the ones we all know of the ones that we probably use more than anyone else are the magic blasts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah let me just throw a fireball at this dude. I'm like, no, that basically makes this game a shooter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It just foos or die across the if you want I, I screen. Think, a really good example of the like cost coming from magic is did anyone actually play Drakengard besides me? Uh, yeah, um, I actually I'm, own it you're on the only per- DVD. So, it's sitting right next to me, uh, and I'm looking. Like, it's like the Dark Eye series. Dragon is that the one you're talking about? Drakengard, no. the like dragon games. That ended up being the, a prequel the to Yoko Taro game. Oh, never mind, never mind. No, I, I'm looking <laughs> like, at. No, you're, I'm looking at Dragon Sang. You are literally the only person who'd heard of Yoko Taro before the Automata came out. Yeah. <laughs> like in those games, basic because Dragon Guard is a weird prequel to Nier, and it's very confusing. But I won't get into that now. Um, but in Dragon Guard, it's an awful game. Don't play it. Um, but <laughs> to like use magic, and you basically make a pact with like a uh, crazy being, like the main dude Kane makes pact with the dragon, hence the dragon and everything. But it's always you have to sacrifice something, so the main character is mute and can't talk because and the dragon has to do all the talking for him throughout the entire game. There's a woman who gives, like, because you don't get to choose what you give up. A woman makes a pact with something and loses her womb. Uh, Like, a dude, like, has his eyes, like, melt out of his face when he makes a pact. Um... One dude loses his hair and goes bald, and I feel like that dude got it really easy. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah I, I lost all my hair. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. you get, like, my toenails cool, won't grow, like, grow back. You get like a cool like um like kind of looks like a tattoo marking on the area of your body that you lost something. So like the main dude has like a marking on his like tongue. The chick has a marking on his stomach. This dude has like a cool head tattoo. Like, yeah. So he just won. Uh, I, um, uh, I think um, this is going back um, away from Dragon Guard. Sorry, uh, but I was thinking oh, no, that like far away that game's bad. <laughs> got, got a captain. <laughs> um, but um, in a way, to a certain extent, the way we think of magic is kind of that it's always on like a sort of slider, right? Like. Like, it's either, like, the commonality of it, the the importance of it, the power of it, that, like, all of that, it's it's really just kind of, like, the same questioning how the idea should really be explored. Like, in, like I think Elder Scrolls gets it half right, where you know that there are these, like, crazy Daedric princes that are super powerful and have all these amazing abilities, that you, but they're also, you don't really interact with them. All the dragons are just kind of one type of dragon, all, like, stuff like that. Yeah, um, mod, mod the shit out of it. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah, like, yeah. like every dragon does the same attack, breathes the same fire. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly it, what you mean. Like, they're, like if you read some of the books, it'll be like, okay, there's this whole crazy amount of magic, but it's 
it's not in the actual game. Like it, the world building is really good with it, but you don't. But the problem is that it doesn't really ever come up when you interact. Um, right. Like like all the yeah. different Daedras who have different sources of magic, like that aren't necessarily good or evil. They're just like kind of like almost like chaos magic. And, yeah. Like all the shit so that like, like the magic in that world and game and everything that like isn't part of every day to day life. So it's not really exactly thumbs up. Like, the fucking thing with, like, the stars are actually holes in space into a... Like, that's not a thing that's relevant to your random farmer and everything, but it's a cool fact, but, like, yeah. so it's not really, like, tied into your moment-to-moment gameplay. Well, you yeah. get into all that stuff with, what's his name, Marco Manny, the necromancer, right? Like, and he's, like, basically, like, creating a new style of magic that basically everybody's afraid of, like, because it's not consistent with what they've known or, like, yeah. there, there's stuff in there, but it's just in the game, it's like, whatever, Ray Skeleton, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's... it's it's limited. Um, yeah. I think actually Dark Souls does pretty well with this. Um, basically, because essentially in that series, there's magic is commonplace because it's like a crazy nightmare, like hell of magic, right? And you have a low level, which is kind of the spells you use, but then there's the higher ones of like the crazy boss monsters that are these just domineering, horrifying things. And then above that is this idea of the world being kind of like shifted and like rebuilt from those things. Yeah, so that's. that's- that's one of the things I really like when magic is used to basically like reset a world. Um, the game I originally thought you were talking about that wasn't Drakengar is a game called Drakensang. And it kind of has the same thing where like you can basically ca- like cast magic at like such a weirdly high level that you can make like entire like groups of people insane. You know, like like stuff like that. I, I really like when like magic is like almost like the equivalent of like a nuke. You know, like okay, yeah. we're just gonna you know if wipe you out this group of people. Like where that Draken Guard game going? Spoilers for a PS2 game that no one's ever going to play because it's awful. Um, <laughs> there is a secret ending you unlock in that game. Where the babies? After, after the babies and everything, you <laughs> fucking fly to Tokyo and get blown <laughs> up by jets. <laughs> and then that is the setting for Nia. Like, the dude died. Like, the dude and his dragon died in Tokyo. And they're magic, but there's no magic in Earth. So they were, like, carriers of, like, a magic disease. It doesn't really mean anything in their world because fucking, like, everyone has magic all through them and everything. But when it gets into our world, there's no way to counter it. And it wipes out the entire population. Wow. And turns everyone into salt. That, well, I really like when magic interacts with technology. I think that's such a cool way to do certain things. And I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of games that do that well, but I think that's one of the coolest things is like when you've got like this, like that, there's a game called Arcanum. I think a lot of people played. It's kind of like a steampunky type world where, you know, yeah, what's the point? If you, if you can cast a lightning bolt and I can shoot a, a rifle, who, who wins? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. There, I really like those kind of games so that kind of play with that magic versus tech. Um, yeah, thing, I but like when, like, I think the Dishonored magic... games really, uh, yeah, yeah, that well too. Yeah. Dishonored, Dishonored does well. I really like um, it when, like, magic, like, you were saying, like, the magic, like, requires a sacrifice and you need to do something, needs to be hard and everything. I kind of like the opposite of that when magic is just completely mundane. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. You just build the world, like, from the perspective of, like, well, yeah, fucking everyone can what do What would happen if everyone, magic. like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, what would happen if everyone could do magic? I like that um, too. Or, um, like magical realism, like Kentucky Route Zero, or games like that, mm-hmm. where it's just part of the world, and then it's seen as completely normal, and you deal with it. I think that aspect of magic, or at least that um, idea of magic, is something that video games don't really 
deal with as much uh, these think... days as you know lives during like maybe the, like the, the adventure game uh, yeah uh, uh, hype. I mean, uh, a I lot think... of times magic is is you know as much as it, just a you know consumable resource or ammo. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's special it's ability a... or right. Yeah, it's yeah. another attack. Right. Whereas, like you know, say an adventure game or something like that, magic is you know it might be a, a, a wand that performs yeah. a special magic act that gets you past a puzzle yeah, or something really like that. I really hated like kind of not quite magic, but close enough in um fucking Infamous with all your lightning powers, and they were basically just fucking like ranged attacks. Of, like, yeah, you had your lightning shotgun, your lightning machine gun, your lightning grenade. Like, yeah. you just gave him a bunch of guns. The game would play identically. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been replaying. So to, um, like, to, go, ahead. go ahead. I've been replaying Vampire Masquerade, The Bloodline, Semicolon. Yeah, um, I've been replaying that, and that one has kind of an interesting take on it too. Because if you want to make a a, a magic build, you definitely can. But there's a lot of stuff where it's like, well, you're going to use a lot of blood to do that because that's how they basically penalize you, right? Is using your blood unit to do magic, and then it's like, and also there's guns in the game, <laughs> you know? Like, so it's kind of like, why would I? kind of want to make this weird unless i'm like role-playing it but you know a lot of the combat situations is just much easier to carry a gun than to try to like yeah. hypnotize your way through certain areas it, yeah you want it like, to be oh sorry ben yeah it's kind of like on like a different to the main theme of the podcast and everything but do any of you guys play many like tabletop rpgs Mm-mm. unfortunately no like I've... i think dungeons and dragons actually does it really well with like how they do the magic in that it's basically so, like, if you play as a wizard, right, you suck when you start. You have, like, you can throw a yeah. couple of magic spells and everything, and where he's like, oh, fuck you, I don't care. So, like, <laughs> when you get, like, a max-level wizard, they are capable of such ridiculous bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of like the exponential scaling of what you're capable of. And because it's a tabletop RPG, it's so much more than, like, I'm just shooting that. Like, you can completely, like, change like, the area you're in within, like, a hundred miles of you yep. to, like, a completely different kind of environment and, like, reshape mountains and... That's interesting, like, well, yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah. yeah, sorry, you go? No, I was gonna say, that was actually something I was... So when I was reading, like, the information, like, kind of the agenda, the, the game that kind of came to mind, and this is gonna be really weird, is Mario plus Rabbids. <laughs> no, I mean... Okay, let's see where this is going. Okay, no, yeah, not a game where we would talk about it being a magic game, right? I, I think we all agree. Yeah. Um, it's too fantastical to really be seen as a super magical setting. But what I was thinking of is, um, you remember the skill trees in that game? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I really yeah. like those skill trees because you can, you know, improve your damage or your health or whatever. But I find that what's the most fun way to play the game is to just instead max out all of your abilities, right? So, like... To ha- so like how Luigi can jump from one person to one person, right? Or yeah. how like um, like Rabbit Luigi can hit one person, then one person, then one person, right? So basically, and over time you go across the um, the game starts out like the way you play is somewhat conservatively, like you kind of have to just move your units and try to take as little damage as possible. But then over time you get abilities that make you in- interact with the game world in a much more aggressive and a much more active way you're bouncing everywhere you're trying to run to enemies instead of trying to like bait them um and i felt like something like that or or what you have in near or sorry in prey not near although near is kind of like that but mostly prey where 
you know, you can change where you can like drastically recreate the world around you in in like very extreme ways. Oh yeah, yeah like time played with it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like especially prey. Um, I mean, this is this is definitely not magic. Um, like at a certain point, you get a weapon called the glue gun, that's, which that's, just com- that's the second. <laughs> sorry, just to be clear. I want. I'm sorry to interrupt. But it really needs to be clear that you don't get ev- eventually get the glue gun. That's the second thing they give you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when you get that that gun, effectively, yes, you can use it to sort of combat enemies, a few of them. But what it's really useful for is just like building staircases to places that you're not supposed to access. Uh, so you can use it to like kind of break the game in really funny ways. Um, yeah, even yeah, and even um. Like when you think about when you get the stuff in Dishonored, that's basically like here's how you traverse the game world. Basically, you know, like sometimes you can yeah, get you don't magic start with it. blink. Yeah, right? yeah. So that, that, it's it's really cool to just be like granted these powers that completely. Yeah, I shouldn't say break the game because it's intentional, but completely reconfigure the game world around you. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I thought was a really good example of like magic that you wouldn't really think about it though, like Doom, where you're completely unmagical dude with a shotgun thrown into <laughs> magic. Yeah. And, like, Doom guy doesn't have any fucking magic powers. He's got a gun and he punches people really hard. Yeah, he's fighting, so like, ancient demons. Like hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like the... I mean, it's it's almost, you know, kind of the, the same idea behind, like, a Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you have your it's like magical... It's like magic versus technology thing, except... Right. Yeah. For wizards. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was asking Merv. Or like for, Luigi's Mansion. I was, yeah, I was asking Merv <laughs> about an anime recommendation for something like that, and he was telling. Would you tell me about that one where, like, basically, like a, a rift opens up and like elves oh, invade, and then watch like the Gate, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't recommend Gate. Someone I've never did. even seen Gate. But yeah, but like some of our, and I was like, this is shit. exactly what I want, and then like it fell apart. It became like just like some poor. Here comes Aram trash. <laughs> but like the idea <laughs> to me was so cool. Like, what would happen tomorrow if, like, in New York City? a big portal open and Elvis started coming through and then like the army just wiped them out. You know, like that to me would be like an interesting start of a, you know, Hey, what, what do we do here? guys? You know, that kind of thing. Do you want kind of a better version of that? Watch Helsing, which is like magical vampires and shit versus people that aren't magical and how that all plays out. That's kind of cool. But goes to like, you can watch like Dura Rara over that. If yeah, you want magic oh, interacting with. Sorry. Yeah, no, I would actually. Dura Rara is a great, like, good, actually, like. Yeah, fucking Dura Rara or Bakano would be your best bets. Go watch that shit. Yeah. And it's also. Yeah, that's your homework. Go watch Bakano. All right. Dura Rara. Also. <laughs> no, um, just to note, um, Kappa, the reason it's titled that is it's supposed to. It's kind of a. This is one of those weird mistranslation issues because it's really supposed to be the sound of a motorcycle. So, <laughs> which is, um, it's actually it's. I'm good sold. <laughs> it's sort of like a. It's also a pun on the name of the main gang in the in the story that's known as the Dollars. Um, I'm not going to spoil what that's all about, but it's it's important to. So, yeah, so there's like it's like multiple podcast. levels of punnery. Sorry. Welcome to Merv's anime podcast. <laughs> He's always wanted to have one. It's, might as well it, give it. <laughs> if nothing else, it's one of the few times where I'm actually capable of responding. Otherwise, you'd just hear me complain about how watching Death Note made me feel worse about myself as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is we, 
which is true. And then I got to hear um, all of you talk about your games, and I'm now much happier. So, yay. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, that's anime for you guys. No, um, seriously, so... what fucking cafe? It's like basically like 1940s gangsters. Like, uh, what's the people that make alcohol when it was banned? Bootleggers. Bootleggers, like fighting monsters and like immortal demon things. That sounds pretty oh, cool. fun. Gonna have to do... Yeah, the nice thing about older anime is that it's less likely to be harem trash. <laughs> um, so less likely, not it's not going to be. They still mostly are. Yeah, yeah, it's it like is, goes it, uh... down from like ninety percent to seventy percent. It really feels <laughs> weird to like see how like I I know lots and lots. It's not just an anime thing. You know, relationships are shoehorned in across all types of mediums. You know, but it's really weird to see how those kind of become the central plot really quickly in animes does that make sense like like you forget that there was an army of elves that invaded that got slaughtered because now this guy has to date you know like a subway attendant or something like it just i don't know it's (laughs) it's always a weird feeling to me and like a lot of stuff puts me off anime but that puts me off really fast because i'm like all right this isn't what i signed up for like like the like there's some shows that actually do handle their romance subplots well and they're like legitimately just subplots yeah they don't take over the show um, we were mentioning Planet With earlier, the, the anime with the horrifying cat. Um, that's one show that actually does handle its romance subplot decently well. Um, but like, yeah, there's so much anime that just gets overrun with harem trash that just makes me angry at the movie. <laughs> it's shown and in I have bullshit. Somebody watches, yeah, I mean, and I like some shonen bullshit. I've I've defend I've, I've defended Sword Art Online on here before, um, but like. There's so much trash that I just don't want to wade through. <laughs> yeah, that's why I want you guys to do it for me. So. <laughs> Let yeah. me know. What you... <laughs> so we'll we'll give you the recommendations because we we have I've our like a total of I think like three good romance animes, like that Love Is War, A Run High, and actually maybe it's only two. <laughs> um, wait, have you seen Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun? I don't know if I'd really call I'm that a rom- romance anime. An I don't know what the fuck you just said. Yeah, none of those words assembled in that order really made any sense to me. Uh, so monthly, monthly girls. It's like a, it's about a, a guy who writes um, manga uh, intended for a female audience, so shoujo manga, and um, his crush discovers that he's uh, a shoujo ma- manga artist, but she's really bad at confessing her feelings, so it just creates a bunch of rom com bullshit. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah, I'm not selling this very well. Really <laughs> this sounds, all I'm thinking of, like, is this just that show where he wants to fuck his sister? <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> it is not a sister's all you need. Wait, no, there was another one where he wanted Aramega to fuck his sister. There's a lot of anime that involve isn't Aramega men... wanting to fuck his sister? Like his sister helps him write his porn comics. Uh, there's another one that came out recently. It was also a sister fucking anime. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Genre now? <laughs> yeah, it's like a what's it called? It's um, it's the emoto genre. There's even a name for it. Oh, I love that worse. it's so common when the dude in Love Is War is trying to deflect from the girl he has a crush on. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a sister con. Like, I want to fuck my sister. I guess that's it." Because like he doesn't want to admit that like who he actually has a crush on. So everyone's like. Oh yeah, that's acceptable. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, actually, better. <laughs> well, never mind. Then. That's okay. Yeah, I, I don't have a crush on my peer. I I want to. Okay, I'm not confused. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 
Um, yeah, because then I, what I'm worried is somebody's just going to like take that I want to fuck my sister line out of context. Okay, I mean, now it's too late. They just said it. So I can take that Got him. Um, okay, yeah, well, just post it online. If, Murph said he wanted to fuck his sister. Well, if um to loop this all the way back around somehow. To magic. <laughs> no, I was actually going to go to making a Sonic joke because in, there's a oh, show wow. Sonic Underground where Sonic has a brother called um Sonic or something like Sanic. <laughs> <laughs> or no, Manic, Enoch? and he has a sister named Sonia. It can't be, it can't be Sanic, because that's, that's the, <laughs> no, that's sorry, like the, no. the bold, badly drawn Sonic. No, I got it. It was uh, Manic, Sonic, and Sonia, and they're rockers looking for their mother in, an, in a post-apocalypse, and some and uh, Maurice LaMarche from Futurama and everything else it, it plays one of the villains. Man. I think, I think, and Manic wants to fuck Sonia? Is that what we're going with? Sure, let's go with that, and then make me regret everything I've just said for the past two hours. Okay. Now, this this podcast really would not be a podcast. thing about Sonic Underground that I don't think, like, Wolfman's getting to the point here, is that Sonic has a lot of really, really bad shows and cartoons and comics, yes. and Sonic Underground's probably the worst. I don't but know how I missed all these. It's just... But, but the thing is... But it also it has waste the, of time watching the trash. amazing yeah, theme song. Like, yes. If you go Son. look up the theme song on YouTube, it is fantastic. And I don't know why, because the show is not. Sonic Underground. Sonic promise their mother <laughs> will be found. Sonic Underground. <laughs> I saw the... I think I, I don't know that I ever saw the show, but I think I recognize that weird idea that Sonic is in like a rock band and his mom dumped him somewhere. In... <laughs> yeah, it, it, the thing is, like, it, and you know, Ben and I have tried to, like, you know, we've been expressing this, but it's really hard to fully express just how bad and weird. I think you entire... guys have pulled it off. If I'm being honest, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, okay, is it is it better or worse than the Donkey Kong Country oh, 3D cartoon? Oh, I've seen the, a lot of the Donkey Kong Country cartoon thanks to show, doing shows on Rabbit. It's atrocious. <laughs> um, it is. Okay. It's unbelievably bad in ways that really cannot be experienced without watching it. Um, to bring it back around to magic real quick, though, before oh, we of course. totally lose it. Um, hey, I did want to bring up Witcher. Um, I don't know how much you guys have, have messed with Witcher or, or played Witcher or whatever, but um, I really, I don't know, I have a love-hate relationship with magic in that game, right? Because it seems like magic is such a big plot crutch for, for so many things that happen, you know, in that game. Um, like, you've got the Sorceress Lodge, who kind of control things through magic and they're assigned to Kings, but they really don't seem to do anything. Um, I, just in general, one of my biggest like hatreds of, of when magic gets used is they try to make it feel all powerful, but then it can't do the very basic things like keep Kings from getting assassinated, you know? And I know there's kind of, there's like some in games reasons for that, you know? Um, but it, it, Witcher to me is one of the worst examples of like, you're supposed to be killing all these people, these powerful magical, you know, beings and stuff like that, but they can't stop themselves from being killed with a blade that's been put with like a certain oil on it or whatever. Um, and, and I just, I really like reflexively just don't enjoy the way the style of magic in that game, um, where Gerald just puts a, a spell on the ground or on himself and it, and it, it's not actually magic, it's mutation or whatever. But, um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have played Witcher or enough Witcher to really, really cool ideas in, <laughs> The Witcher with 
how they do that. They're, like, it doesn't really coalesce. Like, I think The Witcher... Like, I've mainly played The Witcher 2. I only played a little bit of 3, and I quit Witcher 1 because it's awful. Um, yeah. Like, the whole idea that, like, okay, I need to find this... I need to fight this monster, but, like, first I need to research the monster, figure out what its weaknesses are, figure out its, like, location go to the thing, set up traps, eat potions. That sounds like Monster Hunter. It is, yeah. It's There's a lot of, yeah. I think that whole aspect is super, super cool, and then it just kind of falls apart after that. And then yeah. you get, like, all the fucking, like, spells, and like, I don't even fucking know how it does. He does it, like, the force push and shit. I don't even... We talk a, a, a lot about it, like, but in, in other uh, aspects, but I guess with magic, too, it's, like, the, the in-game combat magic, if you want to call it that, has to kind of line up with what the plot, what plot magic is able to do, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's like this, I mean, to use an overused term, there's some ludonarrative dissonance right. there, right? Like, if you can cast um, a spell that wipes out an army, but in-game all I can do is throw a magic missile, then your game's got some issues with magic, uh, you know? I yeah. think Final Fantasy VII has the most hilarious version of that, where, like, you fought... Well, not it's not even the Ares thing. Um, you fucking... One of the spells Sephiroth casts is, like, supernova, and there's, like, a cutscene of the solar system being destroyed. <laughs> yeah, like, slamming it. They just roll credits damage. at that point. And then he casts it again. Like, he casts it multiple times in the same fight, and you see the solar system getting it, It's so fucking weird. Also, that game set on Earth, according yeah. to that spell. Like, um, also, I think it's not unworth noting that like having Sephiroth actually cause a supernova that destroys the universe is actually the less magical explanation to justify that than he's creating an entirely new universe and then causing a supernova within it in that cave yeah he's got the power of both right oh shit the worst (laughs) one the worst one is the end of Final Fantasy 13 versus Lightning Extreme, the fucking final... <laughs> lightning Returns or lightning Final returns. Fantasy thirteen two. Lightning Returns, okay. where Lightning becomes the god of our world and creates our universe. <laughs> really? So I'm like a child of Lightning? Yes! Is that... uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Created you. Wait, I just realized something. Like... That means you're a child of light. Mm. Oh. Oh. Uh, um actually just as a quick note um before we go back to making fun of final fantasy which i do want to because um i just was thinking of one minor thing is like it's not magical powers or magical ability but i was thinking about how in shadow the colossus every time you kill a colossus like some of the like inky black oil paper blood goes into you Mm-hmm. to prove that you've killed it and but the thing is that it actually stays on your skin and so by the time you've killed like one or two it doesn't seem so bad but by the time that you're up to like 13 or 14 your body is actually looking just filled with this and it looks atrocious and you look atrocious and terrible like you're about to keel over at any second and i i kind of would like magic to have that kind of like somewhat unsettling effect where even when it's positive it's just a little bit eerier out of place. yeah kind of like um like how like in let's say like mass effect if you start to give into corruption you know yeah. your eyes start to darken you start to get little like veins like or that... and i guess uh kotor does that too yeah the nice of the old republic games do that I never yeah saw, i never thought that made any sense in the mass effect universe though it was like you know you're you're in you're in the evil. game you're 
yeah, in the game, you're filled with nanobots or whatever they're supposed to be that, you know, make you shoot science fiction magic. But be, uh, yeah, um, why do they make moral They lampshade it by right. saying um, that, like, it, like, a happier person heals better or something oh. like that. Like the, oh. And, like, if, if you're out there being an asshole, it's going to be harder for the nanites to work or something like that. There's an actual, like, codex that explains that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it was good. I just said it was, like, something <laughs> like that. Like, there, there's the next one. Yeah. Uh, ben, what were you saying? But I want to be a good-looking space asshole. Uh, I don't... Started saying a lot of things, I forget. Okay, no problem. Well, um, Fable does it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fable does it. Yeah. Fable yeah. goes hard with it, and it looks goofy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but it makes sense. Sprout horns and shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Jade but... Empire does it too. Um, your shadow, like, if you're standing around and you've been like a good person, you kind of get this little halo appear on your head. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I, I, I do like people. When... You get like a, a a weird tentacle monster shadow. It's very cool. It's very subtle. One thing I like about <laughs> um, magic in games is like when you use magic around like a citizen, if they like freak out. You know, I mean? like if like the game world isn't supposed to have like everybody yeah. can do magic. Like if you actually accidentally you know click the button and like fire off a spell, people are like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, like what is that? Like I, I think Fable does some of that. If when you said that, I remind me. But I think there's a couple games where like yeah, magic isn't. Prey does that a lot. Really? Like if you use any kind of magic power, they start giving you nicknames depending on what you do around them. Oh yeah, that's right. Like, and they start calling you like the chicken kicker if you attack lots of chickens. And shit. Yeah. And you guys are making me want to play Fable again. That's a weird feeling. <laughs> I reckon a game uh, that actually does the, like, mixing the magic with the gameplay system really well, but also a lot of people really didn't like how they did it, is um the Prince of Persia 2008 reboot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the fact that, like, they, like, when you die and reset, it's explained in the narrative as Elika comes down and grabs you and pulls you back up, and then she calls you an idiot for fucking doing it. And how, like, that plays into it, especially is, have you guys actually beaten that game? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I have not uh, played it years ago, but yeah. Fight and how they turn that into one of the boss mechanics with um the lady monster thing. How there's like all the Elica clones, and you have to figure out which one is the real one by killing yourself, so she will jump down and save you. Oh, that's like, cool. I, like that's super cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah I, I do like games that explain how or why you get resurrected or or can live forever. You know, I I do like that uh, mechanic. I, my, favorite i think is the prince of persia said the time with the wait no that's not how it happened yeah that's great yeah yeah it's um and then not to spoil the ending but that figures into how the game unfolds at the end wait, which one? Um, so they, they really integrate it well with the narrative. there's yeah. um i can't i can't remember the the subtitle of it, but call of juarez i think it's called gunslinger was... gunslinger yeah. yeah like i expected that game to be crap and i don't know if i've liked uh at least the framing device of a game more than any other game I've ever played. I, I love okay, that framing device. Uh, you're, you're basically like hanging out at a bar. You're an old retired gunslinger and some kid walks up to the bar and he says, Hey mister, ain't you? And you know, like the gunslinger. And then you kind of start to spin this tall tale and the game is re- like a ridiculous over the top Western shooter, right? Where you're killing like hundreds of bad guys. It's kind of like an on railsy shooter. If I don't right, like, and it's like, yeah. Um, and so, like, in the story, it's, like, obvious that you're embellishing to impress this kid, right? Um, you know, like, with all these tall tales. And then, like, you have these duels. And, you know, like, it's, like, these ridiculous events happen during them. But it's still you telling the story. And then, like, at the, each of check, 
at every checkpoint it's kind of like yeah and then i shot him you know and this and that but then like if you die uh the kid's like wait a minute mister i didn't hear that happen like that you know or, or something like that and it kind of like uh, lets you reset the story that way yeah, I, monkey island 2 does the same thing the, the, the um really you know, the, the, the narrative of that game basically is is told from Guybrush while he's dangling. Uh, oh, uh, that's right. On a rope, he's telling it to um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Elaine, right? Elaine, yeah. Player. Yeah, I, I haven't played two in such a long time now. Yeah, right. yeah I'm but right you can get to a point in that game where you know you, where you would die, and then Elaine interrupts. He's like, "Well." how could you be dead? You're sitting here talking to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think there's a part (laughs) where you can fall off the cliff and she's like, no, that didn't happen like that or something like that. Yeah. I remember that now. Isn't that the one where at the end you're like a bunch of little kids in a theme park? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) And they have like, don't they have like awful like animations? Like they look like they're like grotesque or something. Yeah. You find big whoop and yeah, that's, there was always something that was really weird between the second and third game. Never yeah. made a whole lot of sense. I I can't remember. Monkey Island's all blend together for me. Like I th- yeah. I think every time I played them, like since the first time I've played them, like as a series. So <laughs> I couldn't tell you what takes place in one and what takes place in three. But yeah, I really like those types of framing devices, though. Um, I think that's a cool way to kind of like you know marry game narrative and um, you know the events of what's going on. But yeah. I think a lot of people don't give a shit. Uh, but it, it I think if you're gonna do it with magic, you gotta have a reason why. My main character in one scene can wipe out the planet, and then the next, you know. Uh, Kappa, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, ultimately, with framing devices, it's really just like what you do with them. Like the reason why the like going the jumps to the present in Assassin's Creed are bad isn't because they're not related to the cool like parkouring around ancient civilizations. It's just because they're badly written and not that mm-hmm. interesting. And all okay. about this. That's my favorite. <laughs> No, <laughs> fuck it. The fr- my best, the best part of Assassin's Creed is the present day. Wow. Bu- is the present day bullshit? Oh, nerd fight. And then everything that's going on in the past, fuck it. I don't care. Wow. Um, I'm but totally I- down for that. I am so much more interested in the present day stuff, and like that is why I have a shrine to Assassin's Creed in my house. I'm going to split <laughs> the difference and say I liked it up until Desmond died. Ever, I've never been able to get back into it after he's been gone. Fucked um, up after Desmond died. And- yeah. Yeah, spoilers for Assassin's Creed. Like, that <laughs> game came out like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed Three ends with the a man Ed Minerva, sacrifice. not Minerva, Athena, Awakening, and but I, I like I like that story, but I've never been able to get back into it. In the like, what was the one where was it four or was it Black Flag or Black four Flag was or Black Flag. Where, you, Black Flag was four. where you sneak around Black Ubisoft, Black but it's not Ubisoft. Yeah, and try to Assassin's Creed Four, Assassin's like Creed Ubisoft. Yeah, no. Assassin's Creed 1, 2, 3 is you're playing as Desmond. Assassin's right. Creed uh, Brotherhood is you're playing as Desmond. Uh, the fucking one after that is like your... Revelations? Revelations. Yeah. Is, it's like a first-person platformer where like you're in another section of the Animus talking to a dude who died before. Assassin's Creed 4 and Rogue are the sneaking around in not Ubisoft. Assassin's Creed Unity, Assassin's Creed Syndicate are just cutscenes. Um, yeah. Then Assassin's Creed... Odyssey, they reboot the entire future stories again. Now you're playing as Layla Miller in a third-person thing, like you were as Desmond, and it seems to be going on from there again. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't mind the one in Origins and Odyssey as much as the ones in the intervening ones, because at least it, it feels a lot more optional, and it doesn't pull you out of the story. Um, the ones and... in Origin and Odyssey finally feel like they know what the 
fuck they're doing. Yeah, like, I would Those intervening ones, that. it just so much felt like, well, we got rid of our framing narrative, and now what? <laughs> well, the, the other interesting thing I think that the Assassin's Creed series has going on right now that it just kind of developed out of nowhere, kind of spoilers, I don't know, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's definitely saying the Assassins are right and good and Templars are bad and evil anymore. Um, well, I feel like... Been the... That's been since Rogue, though, right? Yeah, ever, ever Assassin's since, Creed yeah. One. The final yeah. boss in Assassin's Creed 1 is the leader of the Assassins. But Rogue really leans <laughs> into true. the whole, like, wait a minute, is it better to have kind of a, a fat, dumb, and happy populace? You know, you and then... A really good one, though. Um, no one played it because it was a Vita game. Assassin's Creed Liberation? Mm-hmm. The framing... oh, yeah, that's on PC now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's on everything now. Um, the framing story of that is fucking... You're playing an Assassin's Creed game, and but you're playing an Assassin's Creed game that was released by Abstergo. That's like all the past stuff is censored to make the Templars look good. And there's this hacking group. The hacker, yeah. You're playing to reveal the actual true stuff that happened in it. And that game goes really gray with the storyline. Like by the end of that game, you've killed off all the Templars and all the Assassins. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone is dead, and Abilene's like, fuck it, you're all shit. <laughs> I, I think that's the interesting... If, if you want to pick an interesting narrative to go along with the better gameplay, that I think that's the... To me, at least, is like, yeah, none of these groups are either you know, as yeah. pure or as evil as we've been kind of putting out. Like, maybe the duality so, is what makes it work. To get back to that, Wolfman's right. It really depends on the quality of the writing, mm-hmm. not so much yeah. whether or not you're in the future. Like, um, I, I... Going back to that earlier thing I mentioned, like, I'm really liking the framing device in Persona 5, and not just because every time you get a new confidant, like, your weird drunk reporter friend or your back alley doctor friend, it'll jump back to the framing device where the prosecutor who's interrogating you, like, damn it, someone inside had to have told you how, how to, like, <laughs> contact the newspapers. Who was it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good framing device that I won't... that figures into the plot in an interesting way that I won't spoil. Um, I've said I won't spoil so many times on this episode. Um, Spoil them, spoil them. Spoil everything. Um, No, but Wolfman's playing it right now. Oh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Don't don't spoil it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So anything else you guys want to mention uh, with regards to magic in video games before we call this podcast to a close? I... I kind of it it doesn't really do it well but I over like if you look at the broader franchise as a whole like the multimedia franchise I like how Pokemon does it where like there's like all that stuff is just completely common and like it's all everywhere but there's also other levels of it like where like there's probably a bunch of Pokemon who live in your town who can shoot fire but they're different from like the crazy giant dragon gods that maybe protect your country the one that like can manipulate all of time and space and yeah yeah like everything like Mewtwo is is crazy powerful but Even like Mewtwo's uh, like fucking scrubbed here compared to where those games go yeah like Mewtwo like, is like oh look, yeah, I can, can do crazy shit and then you like Arceus like I can reshape reality to my will and um like, oh, yeah yeah that's stronger yeah the best um the best uh sequence in any Pokemon game might be the one in Heart Gold and Soul Silver where if you have an Arceus, you bring it into this like mysterious lost temple and he lays an egg and when the egg hatches, you see the entire universe filled with actual stock photos of the actual world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, video games are weird they are um. 
that, yeah. that's my idea. Um, anyone else uh, have? Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention is we were talking a lot about uh, sort of the costs of, of um, doing magic. And one, one game that, that actually I think does it really interestingly well is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, where, you know, bonding with uh, the monsters that can do magic. Yeah. Uh, so the, they're called blades in the game is something that very few people can do and even if you can do it it comes at a physical cost yeah the size of your tits that's what i've managed to get from that game. <laughs> yeah i don't the, that game is weird in that i don't think the character modeler uh or like the character designer was talking to literally well, anybody else who's working on that blades, game uh, designed by guest artists that was the problem like, yeah. not proper character design, so it was like all these fucking random guest artists who were just like, <laughs> yeah, I want to design a horny fucking titty sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but even, even like the main character designer like made titty characters. Yeah. Uh, did, did go so well. And it doesn't really fit with the rest of the game. Like, it's fucking um, weird that this has become Nintendo's brand now, but I guess, <laughs> like, titty sword? Yeah. Because the rest... I don't know, like, the rest of the game isn't very horny. So yeah, it just doesn't fit. Like, in general, like, it's kind of, like, Fire Emblem series is now horny as fuck. Like, half <laughs> the Pokemon in Sun and Moon are horny as shit. There's a fucking <laughs> Dominatrix. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, just to be... And there's, like, Bayonetta, too, right? No, 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 because Bayonetta's a person, and Sarina, the, um, the Pokemon that uh, Ben is referring to, is a berry. Is it what? There's a hot berry? <laughs> literally can only evolve if it has the move stomp and then, then it turns into a dominatrix what like a like a fruit dominatrix yeah, yeah. yeah. like a flower dominatrix we'll like, high high fuck me boots and shit we'll put a picture in the comments there is a pokemon okay. in the new game who can only evolve if it's a female turns into a sexy lizard its description says it has male harem uh huh. That's right. Pokemon um, in that at the moment. Okay. And I mean with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah the moving the series wants to forward. Fuck yeah. Greninja. I can't. So, I can't wait for that version of Detective Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised nobody commented on how there's a lot of Greninjas in the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nobody seemed to want to fuck them, which is weird. Well, they have that weird spike dick, don't they? Not well. It's more like a spike. It's like a reverse asshole. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are they part of duck? Huh. Should I Google that? <laughs> should you Google reverse asshole? No, you should not Google reverse prolapsed asshole. asshole. <laughs> oh, prolapses. Um, <laughs> so, oh, good times. Just, good times. Yeah, good times at the prolapse cafe. Um, <laughs> Well, that's the title for that, this next episode. That, 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 <laughs> I, I, I can't put that title online. I can't do that. Um, yes, you can, and you must. I, we are. We we got away. With, I mean, we got away with like pressure cooker cloaca, uh, but I, I feel like prolapse might might be a step too far. Um, yeah. So just like very briefly, to bring it back to, to Xenoblade. Um, like it becomes part of the part of the plot that there is this cost. To, to bonding with a blade and um, sort of the cost of, of doing 
like exploiting someone in order to do magic figure into the plot in a really interesting way. Um, so that's an, that's I think the rare JRPG where you don't have like this bullshit blowing up the universe in a cutscene, but in the actual game, all you can do is shoot fireballs. It's a game that actually really balances its um, magic in the in the narrative and, and in the game. And the magic is also a resource, and like the main narrative thrust is about the value of that resource and the like the cost of it. Yeah. So. I think that that kind of puts a, a nice bow on sort of all the discussions we were having about magic today. Um, so on that note, Can I just one more um, oh, you want you want to say one more note? Okay, let's hear one more note. In the original Sonic Bible for the lore, he was created by magic on a hedgehog. Bam! <laughs> full circle. <laughs> 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 he, they, oh god! He, in that original wow. Sonic Bible, he also ate trash. I mean, what's different? So he's like, he's like the garbage ape? <laughs> Wait, is this, are you guys talking about Boomy? <laughs> the Sonic... What, what? Boomy the cat? You guys have... No, never mind. No. Is that Big the Boomy cat? The ca- All right. Well, the, the, the one, one person who gets cat. that is going to laugh their ass off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. It's like when I make a joke about Canada yeah. that nobody gets. <laughs> um, all right. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on our website at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com. We post each, we I can speak words. Uh, we post each episode along with a link dump, where we have links to the stuff we discussed, including video clips and photos of horrifying dom, dom, dominatrix Pokemon. I can speak words. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for Avocado Gamescast, and make sure you check out the community that spawned this podcast at the Avocado. It's the avocadoorg Um. Anything else you guys want to mention before we call this podcast to a close? And we, Kappa's uh, just shared with us a picture of Boomy the <laughs> Cat. Um, Boomy the Cat is a very popular character. He's a blue cat and he's also a fast cat. Kids and adults both <laughs> seem to really like Boomy. He's popular in TV and video games. This is a quote by Alan Resnick, whoever he is. <laughs> and this is from This House Has People in It Wiki. And what's he doing on the right in the picture? Um, he is eating a pile of garbage that looks surprisingly <laughs> human. So he might be a cannibal. Yeah, that or it looks like he's kind of doing a farmer blow, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do I want to ask what a farmer blow is? No, you do not. Yeah, but it's not as dirty as you think. Uh, no, like, because... Okay, this is going to be horrifying. So all the content warnings. <laughs> it looks like... It looks like he... That that pile of garbage looks like a human, <laughs> and he looked like he he chopped off its genitals and is now like filleting the genitals. That's okay, my take. so <laughs> okay, so don't listen to that. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess now we have to include this image in the link. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> oh God, no! Oh. <laughs> Now, now there's recordings of me talking about chopping off dicks and sucking them. Oh, God. Oh, don't act like this is your first time. Pokemon. Tell me that's not a dominatrix Pokemon. You're going yeah. to have a, a, a best hits by the end of this one. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, I see I see the sex lizard now. <laughs> I'm being shown a picture of the Rower. sex lizard. Yeah. And, and I trained us a lot. To be time. honest, it's it's at least as fuckable as Greninja. <laughs> so. I'm, you know what? I actually want to check something right now. 
you know what? This is going to take a little bit of da 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 da. What end groups are you in? I mean, da- that's like look at that Salazzle design. That's just Bayonetta's first sonar. Let's be real. I like they yeah. put a lot of effort into the eye makeup. That's <laughs> the first thing I noticed when I clicked on it. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, we need it's a, full on cat's yeah, eye. We need a sexy um, lizard. Where do we start? The eyes <laughs> go from there. Yeah. Okay, in the an- there's an in the anime section. There's Salazzle in the anime for children. Um, and okay, and guess guess what the episode title is that it debuted in. <laughs> the episode title is called "Rescuing the Unwilling." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear God! So I feel like we've learned a lot uh, today about interesting character designs that I don't think are super, super questionable, but also a little bit questionable versus whatever the hell was going on in, Bay- in Xenoblade 2. I was going to say <laughs> Bayonetta 2, but, what's go- but what was going on in Bayonetta 2 was nothing short of brilliance. All right. Um, you had one last thing you wanted to share with us, Wolfman, uh, that you wanted to show us? Uh, or was I mistaken? That was literally, I don't, I may have misspoke or, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm... That's fine. Um, because I think we've talked enough about sex lizards and oh, seven yeah. penises. I, I think um, honestly, what I was just no, actually, I don't. I don't even remember saying anything, huh? Mis- mysterious. <laughs> okay, well, it's you know, it's as though it's actually magic. Magic. <laughs> if there's a video version of this podcast, you can see the sparkles kind of coming out of my hand as I say that. <laughs> Yeah, th- that's the Sonic version of the Sparkle. Sonic is in pertaining to noise, not the character oh. Sonic, which we talked about too much. And we're not calling this episode <laughs> Sex Lizard or Reverse Buttholes. Can <laughs> <laughs> just type that in the chat? No, we're not calling it that. Um, so thank you all for, for listening to um, the podcast that went off the rails. Um, and thank you for your continued... I was going to say patronage, but nobody's paying us for this shit. <laughs> Because nobody would. Every episode um, I'm on goes off the rails. So is it just me or is it always off the rails? Um, everyone that I'm always. on, everyone that I'm on goes off the rails. There are no 50. rails. Let's be. I, I don't think there are rails. I think Merv's full of shit. That's yeah. on how much Sonic we have to talk. Once we have Sonic, everything goes out the window. <laughs> I swear so sometimes I. Um, what? I swear sometimes this works properly. Um, yeah. So thank you all. Sorry, you were saying I was something? just going to say, what happens during the, uh, Son- during the Avocado Gamescast where Merv, Ben, Lovely Bones, and I all just re- do an episode that's just reviewing the Sonic movie? Oh, I, am so uh, I am not going to watch the Sonic movie, so y'all can record that and we'll release that as a Gamescast episode. <laughs> but I am not touching that with a fucking 10-foot pole. You would have to pay me thousands of dollars for me to sit through that horrifying monstrosity because I cannot look at a fucking non-Cyclops Sonic for two hours. <laughs> um, that's the episode title there, non-Cyclops Sonic. Um, all right, so so actually closing this, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time for more Sex Lizard goodness. Good night. Bye, everybody. Hey, yeah, guys. Uh, thank you for tolerating all of that from me.